0: Tune in to the Neil Prendiville Show weekdays from 9 a.m. on Cork's Red FM.
1: As always, the lines are open at 1850, 104 106 As Brown Thomas opened their doors on Leaside uh, this morning and Pennies opened their doors tomorrow. I actually heard this morning some people are contemplating pitching a tent outside Pennies, Brenda was telling me. I don't know whether she's drinking too much coffee or what, but that would be a sight to behold. People pitching tents for the opening of Pennies, but the city needs it. It's going to need it more going forward, particularly if this one-meter distance business uh, stays in place. More on that a little later on this morning. But the front of the echo this morning sums it up: Patrick Street facing battle uh, to recover the wave of shop closures on Patrick closures on Patrick Street yesterday. Um, we heard, or at least the echoes reporting this morning, that Monsoon and Accessorize are the latest to shut down. Uh, permanently it's a slew of Cork's iconic businesses on well I suppose Cork businesses on Cork's iconic street really because we had Debenhams then we had Villa uh, then there or is it Vila? forgive me for not knowing and then there's Mountain Warehouse uh, Hairspray Easton's closed the Patrick Street branch thank God Easton's will stay in business in Ferenstown they're relocating but it's an awful loss uh, to Patrick Street, not to have Easton's there for so many years. God, I could tell you stories of the things that I bought there down through the years. So they're relocating. Oasis are having an everything-must-go liquidation sale. I think you could also probably include the fact that um, uh, Argos closed the uh, Dawn Square branch and uh, start and concentrated all their business down down in Mahon Point. So all of that decreases footfall as you go along. So it's a worrying time. The inside pages of the paper then talk about monsoon, Uh, and accessorized. There was all sorts of issues there with regards to uh, the business structure of it and not just Cork or not just Ireland but these, uh, you know, things to do with the likes of Monsoon and Accessorize, also happening in the UK. But the Irish Times this morning say that shoppers rejoice as Brown Thomas reopens. And while that's all happening, we were rejoicing at the arrival of this ginormous airplane, the world's biggest airplane, with all of this PPE that came into Shannon. I couldn't help but wonder, is a lot of that PPE needed now, or has it arrived too late? But I'm reliably informed, no. Like the Irish Times says this morning, that all of the PPE, the, ga- the, the gowns and the masks and all of the gear that they need that's only enough for 12 and a half days apparently according to the times today but the government are going to st- step up the mask no, step up the campaign to ask people and to show people or teach people how to correctly wear a mask by all accounts particularly when you're around people i suppose if you're on a train or or a bus or things like that, or close up with people in shops. That's the recommendation. But childcare providers, on the one hand, are being told, don't raise your fees, in the front of the examiner this morning. And the mail says that hundreds of creches will actually close. And it's going to be a huge crisis, because they figure in the mail this morning, up to 120,000 children... Uh, are not expected to return so on the one hand you might have parents who are afraid to send their children back to creches at the end of uh, at the end of this month and then for other creches they feel my god we won't be able to survive with the fees we're charging and we're told not to increase them so that's a bit of a train wreck in the in the, in the making and then apparently those that are struggling most i suppose with their mental health they say Uh, as well as employment prospects, are those aged 15 to 34. The examiner this morning says that's the age group, 34s and unders, who are figuring the, or who are, who are suffering with the highest rate of unemployment. Now, one worrying issue with regards to the easing of restrictions is the Irish Times this morning that says on its front page that the number of contacts, like if you were diagnosed now with COVID-19, they would be able to work out how many people you were in contact with. And apparently the worry since the easing of restrictions is the number of contacts that somebody testing positive with has almost doubled since restrictions have been lifted. The number of contacts per diagnosis now is averaging at about three and a half persons. And that was way lower than that, um, you know, say two or three weeks ago. In this ever-changing world that we live in, rapidly changing, so many things have just um, been either removed, deleted, uh, taken down, are no longer spoken about. And I just did a little bit of work on it this morning with Mark as to, and many of the papers have it, things that you can no, no longer do, or sorry, things that you can no longer watch, I suppose, to, to some extent. Like, Gone with the Wind has been removed from HBO in uh, America. Now, some might say that it shouldn't have been because, in its, well, it's a superb movie, um, and it does show slavery in all forms in America back in the 1800s. It's also somewhat uh, historical, isn't it? Maybe people should be watching it. Set uh, in well, did I say the 1800s? Uh, it's a 1939 epic movie uh, set during the U.S. Civil War. Um, and the film has got Scarlett O'Hara in it, and it's got uh, Red Butler. You know the you know the deal. You can't watch it on platforms in America anymore because of the relation, because of the references and the storyline being uh, slavery. Anton Deck. As well have uh, been removed from different platforms and they've had to apologize after becoming embroiled in a racist row. Apparently they used to impersonate black people and other races, including the Japanese, and you can't do that anymore. And Little Britain has been removed from streaming services as well because they apparently also dressed up as members of the black community. They were black makeup and large Afro wigs and things like that. And then there's loads of statues that might be taken down here in this country if um, people get their way. John Mitchell in Newry could go. The statue of a Nazi collaborator, Sean Russell could go. Even Christopher Columbus in Galway, which they've already defaced in the Spanish Arch. That might have to go. Um, Prince Albert's statue in Leinster House. And Molly Malone. Did you know that the statue of Molly Malone, as she wheeled her wheelbarrowed through streets, broad and narrow... And cockles and muscles, yada, yada, yada. And that could have to go as well. Apparently, Facebook banned that statue's photograph because the um, her top is too revealing. So that might have to go as well. I'm not quite sure that uh, that one would go for a Burton, but the other ones, who knows? J.K. Rowling makes all of the papers. A few days ago, she was uh, talking about the fact that women, only women can menstruate, and she got into awful trouble about that. Um, and <clears throat> she's having a very interesting week because she has now revealed very sadly, that she was the victim of mar- marital abuse and sexual assault. So all of the papers, particularly the British papers, are going to that in quite an, amount of, quite an amount of detail. Papers also pick up on the early release of uh, Joshua Allen uh, at the age of 19. He was given that 13-month prison sentence, then it was halved. He had served some time before the judge sentenced him and found him guilty, uh, served a portion of it, not much of it, but he's, he's out now with very strict conditions. So all of the papers talk of that today in quite some detail. If if you won the lotto, you, you'd kind of collect it, wouldn't you? You really would. Like, I mean, you check your numbers. But maybe not everybody does. Some of them have them in glove compartments in cars. Some of them wash them in their jeans and they go through the, the washing cycle. And they never pick up the money. 19 million euro unclaimed. 19 million according to the Mirror today. And then the Italians, apparently, the Italians make the news in more ways than one this morning. Because they put the boot, or at least an Italian rock magazine. has put the boot into our beloved Bono. (laughs) Like, they say that Bono is the most hated musician in the world. What does poor old Bono have to do to be loved, I wonder? And the other one then is, do you know how everybody loves a bop? Uh, everybody loves a dance or a boogie Uh, discos in italy are reopening apparently they have to be outdoor discos be interesting to talk to stevie g about this at some stage just uh, how it's going to work when people get back to gigs and when they're back to have a a bit of a boogie because apparently like in the old day years and years ago uh, when secondary schools used to have discos or hops at the time uh, particularly religious schools uh, they were usually um, watched very, very closely by the nuns, who had um, not a cattle prod, but usually they usually had a, a a botta or a ruler or something, and they would measure the distance between the boy and the girl. I think we're going back to that in in Italy because they've got special bouncers now lined up in Italy to keep dancers two meters apart. <laughs> I mean. I mean, they're saying, like, how can you... There'd be no slow sets anyway. There'd be no clingers, so they wouldn't... And, and if you want your clothes to cling better, apparently they've come up with a new miracle pill. How many times have I heard of miracle pills that will lose the weight for you, it'll just fall off and melt away. But they figure in the star this morning that one has been created. It's using a very special protein that means that your body, even though you take on way too many calories, the body burns them off faster. It could on the one hand be an excuse to gorge more uh, foods that are high in fat and sugar. But on the other hand, they figured that this is the one, lads. This is the one to melt the pounds. The Neil Prendiville Show
2: with Tesco. We'd like to ask all our customers when shopping in store, please practice social distancing.
1: Right, We'll be in town today across the morning, Um, and Seamus will be in there for the opening of, uh, of Brown Thomas. hopes to talk some people there and also get a sense of feeling as to what's going on on Patrick Street as he has a stroll around. And unfortunately, we hear, you know, way too many closures. And i so saying sent you this morning the Echo reports even more accessorize monsoon hairspray the big one of course the really big one some weeks back was Debenhams so as the city and retail wakes up what's the future of Patrick's gonna be like it was uh, due to talk with Lawrence Owen uh, Owen the Owens the CEO of the Cork Business Association earlier in the week I'm glad I didn't now because it's probably more relevant than ever and he joins me by phone Lawrence good morning Good morning, Neil. Not the kind of front-page headline you want to see in the local paper. Patrick Street facing battle to recover. Are you worried?
3: We've been worried for a long time, Neil. And Obviously, it's not the the type of news we would like to see, particularly after a very positive start since last Monday. But, of course, I've been saying this, we've been saying this for a long time. The underbelly retail was very, very soft. And, of course, COVID-19 has exposed it. And we're now getting the You know what no one wanted, but now it's the reality. I think this is, you know, it's important to say this isn't a reflection on Kraft, but the impact has certainly been felt in That's A decision made by a lot of UK stores and retail there is even in a worse block than it is here.
1: Are they? These are UK companies that have decided to trim the fat. Is it? Well, the UK companies for a
3: variety of reasons, and I don't know all the internal reasons, but they've made decisions, and and you know, Ireland has been the. The bigger loss of not that in terms of the store, that we saw that the know of stores that are closing in Ireland disproportionate to the more stores that are closing in England. But it underlines look there's no one getting away with retail was in a difficult situation is in a difficult situation But I'm, and I know I, you might think it's a bit curious me to say but I think we will bounce back we will turn the corner we will come back and reinvent ourselves but it, it will take some time and it will need support Yeah but on top
1: of the ones I've just listed there's potentially even more who won't reopen or uh, probably like it's, it, it, would it be fair to say that all of those that could open on Patrick are they all open now or are some still closed and waiting
3: I think a lot of businesses are are, are waiting to see in terms of what the cost measure will be in terms of reopening, because as you know, it's costing them to invest in their business with all the safety precautions that they have to put into place. So certain businesses will be looking at that and how valuable the operation is. Going from two metres to one metre, and I don't want to go away from the core issue, will be an important factor if that decision is made. Well, the two metres
1: for certain will will keep 90% of pubs and cafes and restaurants shut, they're saying. Could the same be said for retail? Like I was in on Monday, and in many shops that are small enough, it's one customer in at a time.
3: Yes, because a lot of our local stores, as you know, are small, local, indigenous shops. We don't have a lot of square footage space inside. So two metres down to one metre makes a huge difference to make that, you know, be viable. But that's not the answer in terms of what the underlying uh, issue would in retail. We all know in terms of, you know, the the threat of online, we all know that business costs in the Republic of Ireland are very expensive in terms of wage costs. Uh, insurance, rates, and particularly rents, uh, There are and rents are a huge cost. So the, the cost model here is very, very challenging. And if there is a ripple, it's not any really surprise that Ireland gets the, the hit first, They're supposed to the UK.
1: Okay, but why are we so reliant? Explain to me why we're so reliant on overseas companies on Patrick Street. Um, like the same wouldn't be said for Oliver Plunkett Street. Um, who owns the buildings? There's, there's two questions in there, incidentally.
3: Yeah, well, why 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 we're aligned on Patrick Street because it's our Grafton Street. It's our, it's the main showcase for retail of the city, and it always has been, you know, for the last two years. hundred. I'd be more
1: inclined to Does say that? that Oliver Plunkett Street is our more is our Grafton Street, and that Patrick Street is our O'Connell Street. No.
3: Well, no, I mean, thanks for the call. We're not going to O'Connell Street yet. Levels in terms of hope. hope factured or fragmented that is yes Albert is a phenomenal street with local and small local indigenous business and some of the big ones so why is Patrick Street then
1: so reliant on international companies and the second question who owns all the properties
3: because first of all, it has the size of stores there of 100,000, 80,000, 70,000 square feet that the bigger retailers want in terms of their football. They want, and in terms of their, you know, imprint in the city. They want big stores in big locations. And traditionally, the highest football in the city has always been in Paddock Street. So you add one and one and you get two. That's where people go. Oliver Strunker Street is a fine street, but it has much more compact shops and therefore much more
1: viable to run, if you know what I mean, in terms of the whole cost base. And who owns the properties, these big buildings? Are they pension funds? Some of them
3: would be named yes. Some of them are privately owned by, you know, uh, families. Some of them are pension funds. I don't have the way resort to know where they are, but I know that the rents on those properties are quite exorbitant. They're very, very high. And, you know, we have a building, you know, let's not walk away from the old Water Stores building. Debenhams have a lot of history with that store. It's still closed because Debenhams have made a decision, you know, to first of all look after their employees and give them a, a treat them fairly and give them a redundancy package. But it's 100,000 square feet there, closed, um, which is a key part of our city in
1: terms of an offer, and it's like they're idle. Okay, you didn't hear anything like I heard at the weekend that there could well be a proposal go in for Debenhams for a four-star hotel, not unlike the Gresham?
3: I've, I've heard a lot of proposals for that building, Neil, but I think any of the proposals and plans that I heard were based maybe on a plan about a year ago, and I think the whole plan and fabric has been taken away because we're in a new environment now. So what might have worked a year ago as a potential plan, I don't think that's viable now in terms of where we are. And certainly building another hotel in the current economic climate, I don't think, and I'm not a, a hosp-
1: hospitality expert, I wouldn't be building it myself. Well, maybe we'll see what they intend doing with it. Whoever is that family owned that building still, or is that a pension fund? As far as I say, no. As far as I'm aware, no. It's owned by the Roach family. Okay, okay. So, well, you've got a bit of a a, a bit of a perfect storm coming down the track because uh, Patrick Street. Eddie, Eddie Mullen says this morning in the front of the Echo, and he's got Fitzgerald's that if you look at the old photographs of the fifties and sixties, there's only a handful of businesses that remain. Um, and I suppose they could be clothes shops, some of the smaller clothes shops, if you like. So you got Patrick Street, you know, more closures than openings. Zara wanted to move into the city. They couldn't get a, a, a rent deal. They weren't they looking for a year's free rent that was knocked on the head. That didn't help as an anchor tenant for. Patrick Street and the Grand Parade you got the Kildare village style outlet coming down the track uh, down Carrick Toolway, I think uh, and just on top of all of that you have the one in one out for customers already in smaller shops is there any plan at all uh, to rejuvenate business rejuvenate in the businesses in the city is there any kind of offers that are coming down the track that will encourage people in
3: well, just going to the point you mentioned, first of all, Zara didn't come into Cork because they wanted to uh, get a location close to BT's. That's where they see themselves as a, as a peer brand.
1: Zara were offered, uh, weren't Zara looking at the capital?
3: They were looking at home sales, but that's too far away from BT's, as far as I'm aware. They wanted to have their brand close to the higher brands, which is obviously from Thomas and... They, they, that didn't work out. And, and yes, there would be a great attraction to have in the city. But that's my understanding. They're going to pitch where it suits them in terms of their location. Um, and where, where, look, that's history, no, it didn't happen. Um, you ask in terms of, you know, what's happening and what will happen. You, ask to done and you, you, you touched on a subject which obviously we've commented a lot on in terms of the proposed kill their village. Yes, I mean surely that's going to hammer the city. Of, If there was any It wouldn't hammer it would kill it completely In terms of You know The potential What that could do But you know In the environment That we're in now In retail If there was any logic Which I don't believe there was uh, A year ago To have this plan For a a Kildare village There's even less logic now Absolutely insanity To create another retail map You know The only up for it Is the
1: 850 to 1000 jobs That it would create The only effort
3: is about the 5,000 to 7,000 jobs we would lose in
1: the city. So what is the city going to do? I mean, what's the plan with the CBA, with City Council to try and come up with some sort of a plan or a promotion or or some new, I I don't know, I don't know what it would be. Uh, I don't know, maybe maybe trying to encourage more people to come into Cork from outside, um, from different counties to make it a, a fashion and retail hub or something.
3: Well, obviously, I mean, it's not something within the rules of what the CBA can solve, or even within crop City Council, there needs to be government support. Uh, and a lot, for instance, some of the measures that have been planned and, and you know, that are on the, the framework to be given out to businesses from, from government, can't be put into place until we have a government formation, um, because that's these legislation need to be enacted. So, I know mean, that's not helping either in terms of getting basic support to get business up and running simply because we haven't got a government fund. But we need government support. We need support with rates. Rates are incredibly expensive for businesses as a business model.
1: But uh, the City Council expensive. is £13 in the hole. You're not going to get a bob Absolutely.
3: off. Uh, no, we're not. And I accept that. And we said it from day one in terms of weight. We said that any business that has been affected by this COVID-19 crisis that have been forced to close should get uh, a rate deferral for a year, one year. And that should be central government funded because if we go to, to the local council to get the rate right off to break them because they're 50%, close to 50% of their revenue is rate-based. So they're like any they business, they're, they're over-dependent now on us as, uh, as retailers and business to support them. So it doesn't, central government has to step in. And as a
1: country, we've got to borrow. That's fine, but you have money. to create then the, the, you have to create the appetite for people to want to shop in the city. I mean, I also heard that Bracken's Cafe on Paul Street is going, Brennan's on Oliver Plunkett Street is going. God, the list is getting longer and longer. Online shopping has become a huge challenge. Maham Point, mm-hmm. of course, free parking, all of these different aspects. Uh, like, are, are we looking at Patrick's t- turning into O'Connell Street, which is, which is a pretty decrepit main street in the capital now?
3: Yeah, and, and I fully agree. It's 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 a terrible atmospheric winter College Street as opposed to what Barton Street is I and mean, what Barton Street will be again. And yes, we do need support, and we do need to get things right in terms of like improving our public transport. Critically, need to improve that, because it's crap, to be very honest. It's poor. Uh, it has improved, but it needs to do an awful lot more. We have to encourage people to come back into the city. I mean, you've tent- you mentioned there are incentives currently, if I was to say it. To free parking in Paul Street. and North not Street, so you can go into the city and park for free on the two public car parks. And if I go back to Monday and Tuesday, and okay, I'm not trying to turn the argument around but the positivity and the way business happened on Monday Tuesday, Wednesday was brilliant. People looked at, uh, you know, they were respectful, they queued properly, very well. But a business won't be uh, able I mean, to
1: survive like that. I don't mean to be a, the doom and gloom merchant here, but allowing one in and one out and somebody on the door, it's so slow. It's not going to encourage people to want to come in and shop in any huge numbers, is it? I mean... No, you know. it's, it's
3: it look- There's no one giving away that we've had three months of closure where people haven't come into town. People are nervous going anywhere. Some people are incredibly nervous, and you can understand that. So it's how we First of all, and business is what's incredibly hard to ensure the premises and their staff are safe, the customers are made to be welcome. they win and they see that they're doing the right thing. People want to shop, the Irish people are great shoppers yeah, and we still have a fabulous city.
1: But where are they shopping? There's That's the thing, I mean people also are discouraged going into the city, I heard on this programme all of the time because they don't feel safe in there. There's too many people begging, there's too many addicts, there's too much fighting, there's too much defecation down side streets in the recent months, it's very depressing.
3: There is antisocial anti-social behaviour, I've been on before talking about it and our concern. I'm delighted to say that I know that there's a new task force. I hate to say the word because it sounds like a cliche, but we have a new resource coming on board on Monday with additional guards, I think there's 12 guards for the sergeant, specifically for the city centre flat, um, to additional to what's currently there. I think that will be a massive help. Uh, and give reassurance and support to businesses because they need it. And yes, we've had issues. Some of them are societal. Some of them are things that we haven't dealt with in terms of having boots on the ground. And I think that will be helped greatly from next Monday.
1: We'll have to wait and see then. I want to talk to some of the local businesses who've been reopening. And I hope to speak with some of them each and every day. But uh, thanks for taking the call for now, Lawrence. I appreciate okay. it. Have a good day, Lawrence yeah. Owen, CEO of the Cork Business Association. Never was there such a challenge on Cork businesses as we come out of uh, COVID-19. We'll pick it up with calls, texts and comments after the break.
0: Text the Neil Prenderville Show now. 86 Red FM Today
1: is an anniversary day with regards to the closure of and sacking or laying off of Debenham staff. It's nine weeks to the day now since they got the devastating email, which is all they got, an email that the jobs were gone uh, and Madeline from Debenham staff, ex-staff, has been on to tell me they're having another protest today uh, and they are still fighting the fight on the streets of Cork and that's where they will be outside Debenhams uh, today, Meanwhile, I think that really the, what seems to be the jewel in the crown of Cork shopping and has been for some years now is most definitely Oliver Plunkett Street. And I was in town on Monday. It was the same day as the protest up on the Grand Parade. Now, I, I know I was saying this like it was really surreal, like as if there was two different worlds, what was going on up on the Grand Parade and then what was going on outside shops as people wanted to get in and do business where the smaller shops could only allow one person in at a, t- at a time. And with the two meter rule thing, of course, that means that uh, some businesses will never... Open again because they just won't be able to. One did was Savile, uh, Savile Menswear on Oliver Plunkett Street. Pam O'Regan joins me by phone. Pam, good morning.
4: Hi, good morning. Neil, lovely to talk to you, uh, and
1: you too. Um, I was in town on on Mondays, actually in your in your in your store buying buying socks and things like that. But how 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 have the, how have the last few days been?
4: They've been okay. They've been okay. Monday was a, a bit of a. Oh my God! It was just such an exciting day, and it was getting the doors open, and it was there was an atmosphere. I think really. it was like party time, and people coming in and coming out and wishing us well, and like yourself now popping in, even buying a pair of socks, whatever. But we had a we had a great day. We were very you know we were very satisfied with our day, and as I say, it was just you know being back on the street. You were talking about the street, but there is a, a vibe in Oliver Plunkett Street. We we are, we have a joke, a running joke about the you know, all the, the neighbours on the street. Like, we were even waving
1: to one another. You pro- <laughs> hadn't I seen each other in months, wonderful. I suppose. It was wonderful, Neil,
4: because it's been a long, long time. But and I think we were all, you know, nervous and not knowing what it was going to be like. And we were just saying, it was like actually opening a new shop again. It really was.
1: Um, just, to, just out of curiosity, uh, how, you know, in fashion now, and, and, and things like men's and women's fashion, can people try the clothes on anymore?
4: We are kind of curtailing it, but look, if it be, it has to be done, but we will take the clothes and we'll take it off the floor and they're kept off the floor for 72 hours and they will be steamed. So, you know, there are circumstances where you would have to allow somebody to try something on and, you know, um, you have to work, you know, sensibly and safely and we've put in all the safeguards that we've been asked to do.
1: My God, the last week before. Which, what, include like hand sanitizing units and things like somebody on yeah. the door? Things like that? Yeah,
4: somebody on the door, hand sanitizing. I have inducted the staff many, many times and my my mantra to them is don't forget, keep going off the floor every so often, maybe every 30 minutes if possible, asking customer: wash your hands, wash your hands. The hand washing is still vital, you know. Oh my
1: God, it's we such a changed done. environment that if somebody picks yeah. up clothing or tries yeah. something on, you have to take it off for yeah. three days, two or three yeah. days. Yeah,
4: that's right, the try on for the dressing then will have to be sanitized again, you know, but we've had good training with it uh, and I've been doing online training for it I do remember in each shop then my little deputies and they're fabulous. And I... One of them is off, the other one takes over. And you know what it is? it's a mindset. We all have to get into
5: the mindset.
4: And it's something I myself that have to stop think sometimes and we, we remind one another. That's what it's all about. We you know, when we use the phone we have to wipe that down as well. You know, it's all we tricks. Will
1: will the reopening go... of B T today and the reopening of pennies yes. tomorrow help yes. all of the businesses. Yes.
4: Yes, Neil, it's fabulous. The more we open, the more shops that are open, more people will come to town, and it's just going to help us all, you know, because we're in a very unusual position because, quite honestly, it's very much nobody knows. And it's very much the unknown. So, you know, we have to reinvent ourselves. We have to be creative. We have to be up for the challenge. And we are, and most people will be. And if you're in business and you have a passion for it, You'll find ways
1: of you being know? I know, but mm-hmm. m- meanwhile, I've been, you know? Reading, I've been reading out a list of businesses that have closed, um, much I of them know, on Patrick know, Street. That doesn't all yeah, go well, does yeah, it?
4: Yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't. But look at, you know, the, the wheel keeps going around and people come and people go and you know, I suppose that's life to a certain extent, but you know, um, there will have to be a lot of things looked at. There'll have to be incentives and you know, it's all it, us, it looks, you know, we're, I suppose it's very downbeat at the moment because we're all a wee bit, you know, suffered with the old... Pandemic, and yeah. all the things but, that happened, and you know we kind of got into a mindset as well. But then we've got to, we've got to fight back, Neil. And I think that's you know going to happen. And that
1: moving way, through so the that. phases where this two meter becomes one meter, which is yeah, probably yeah, going to happen in the yeah. next few weeks, and it then will, it and, will yeah, and then yeah. but but like will there be will there be big sales in the city? Uh, would you be looking for a, well, a like a rate reduction? we
4: sale? Where is sale at the moment? So we went straight into sale. We've been in preparing for the last two weeks. We've been actually hard at it, you know. And most people will go into sale, but they, uh, you know it will be steady, and that's what we find. And people are people are People are you know the customers move up to the supermarkets, and their patience has <laughs> has readjusted. They're kind you know. of getting
1: into it. They oh. understand, yeah, yeah.
4: yeah. Got into it, and you have the chat, and you have the laugh, and sometimes there's a great old crack goes on because you know get a character <laughs> there, that, you know, and it, there's, there's, there's a. There's always an upside to everything. But the downside so, is no
1: browsing, so there's not. You, like, you, you you go in no for browsing, something specific.
4: But we have a one-way system, you see. We're very lucky because we can go in. So they go in around the shop and around. So it, it works very, very well. And then we have enough floors. Then if we had a wedding, please God, our brides and grooms, they'll be coming out again. Like, we can off an area for them. We take phone appointments, book, on, book for...
0: Yeah, for
4: yeah, 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 If you want to come in after hours. Like, we're here and we're ready for anything and we do everything that's possible for our
0: customers. Good for you. And
4: you know, honest to God, Neil, at the end of the day, I spoke to somebody yesterday and they were saying, it's not, it's when we're talking to one another. And the human contact... You know, that's what it's
1: all about. Okay, just you finally, know. just finally, I did read somewhere last week that the idea of seasonal fashion, you know, the four different seasons, the spring fashion. Yeah, so yeah, is, is all yeah. that going to go? Did I hear the designers? And you know my, what, I means
4: That kind of has been out of the back for me for a wee while. It really has. So that wouldn't be a big issue for us at all. And in fact, it would make life a lot easier for us as well, you know.
1: With regards to rotating yeah. stock and stuff.
4: Yeah, yeah. You'd get your kind of your main two seasons, and you might get a re-injection here and there of wee small ranges and things. Maybe that would just pep it up again. You know. Okay. okay. No, no, thank God that wouldn't be an issue for us. Okay. Know.
1: It would be the least of our worries. Well, know? good luck. Fair play to you. <laughs> Great to have you back Great again. To you. Cheers thank
4: for you now. Me. It's so good to be back. And let me just say thank you so much to all our carers. Absolutely. that kept us all. Going over
1: this period. Appreciate it. Thank you. Pam O'Regan, not the greatest phone line. My apologies for that. Pam O'Regan from Savile Menswear. Uh, Do you shop in the city? Uh, If not, uh, why not? Uh, text 086-8104-106. Lines open. You can also pick up the phone on 1-850-104-106. Regarding pennies uh, reopening tomorrow, Mark says, 100% there will be tents outside there tonight. I wouldn't want to be working in security. There'll be murder. Michelle says, best of luck to all the workers going back there on Friday. It is going to be mental. Kate says, Friday can't come fast enough. What, what do people want in, in pennies tomorrow when the, when the doors open, I wonder? Uh, Sean says, are people mad? Seriously, people need to get a grip. Also, uh, is there any word on how returns will work for clothes? Because pennies are the most unpredictable shop for clothes sizes. I assume if there's no fitting rooms there, that then there would be no returns. What you buy you have to keep. I have no idea. I love pennies, but no matter what, I won't be queuing to go in there, let alone camping outside. I can't believe that people will actually do it. Well, we'll have to wait and see whether they camp or they have a little uh, little chair or whatever. Uh, I pity those poor workers in pennies. Uh, the fear would be over, would be over me going to work. I don't know what that means. Sorry about that. D says, I'd advise Penny's workers to get a suit of armor for Friday morning. God help them. Yeah, I'd rather, I'd rather stick pins in my eyes than go in there on Friday. I won't see the place until about August, I'd say. But best to look to the staff. People, be kind, patient, and don't wreck their heads.
0: This is the Neil Prenderville Show. Tweet the show at Neil Red FM. One hundred four to one hundred
1: six, Red FM. BT open this morning. Pennies open tomorrow morning. Nicholas said, "You want to be off your rocker to go inside there on Friday, let alone camp there." People can't be that desperate, and if they need, if they are, then they need their heads examined. And Rory says, "Maybe I'm exaggerating when I say town yesterday was mad busy. Even the traffic home was mental. Yes, there was a lot of traffic around yesterday. I'm not a great judge of crowds, but I say there must have been around ten million people." <laughs> on Patrick Street yesterday afternoon god knows what it'll be like on friday when penny's open if that's the way it was on a wednesday afternoon now that doesn't come as any consolation of course to all of the staff who lost their jobs in debenhams in the city and also in maham point i'm joined by madeline by phone one of the ex employees madeline good morning
6: good morning neil
1: and on to the list uh, besides debenhams now we have accessorize uh, we have uh, monsoon Hairspray, Oasis, Oasis. Uh, and and others like that. It's pretty yeah. depressing. The news coming out of Patrick Street. Is there any point to continue protesting? Do you think?
6: Oh yes, because we're not leaving the stock. Keep the premises. Need no way. We were told twice in court when this all started that the stock belonged to Debenhams Ireland, and then suddenly the third time, the UK owned it. So there's no way the stock is leaving the stores. There's fourteen-hour protests are. Uh, strike notice on all the uh, premises and we're there 14 hours a day virtually and there's drive-bys and we've people watching and all through the night. There's no way they're getting it.
1: And has anyone tried to get the stock out?
6: No, not at the moment. They haven't tried. They tried to get the cash and they got, they got that because KPMG were taking it so we let that go. Yeah. But KPMG, you have a case going against them at the moment, a legal case, to know who owns the stock and for it to be legally owned by the UK, they have to prove it.
1: Okay, so you have a protest on the goods in, goods out section as well as the... There's
6: a strike, there's a strike clear. there. Yeah,
4: yeah. Yeah. And
1: it's that's the same right. in Dublin, isn't it?
6: It is indeed, in Henry Street and Stone as well, have it in Black Rock?
1: And at, at this point in time, it's still statutory redundancy paid for by the Irish state and that's it for any, for anyone yes, who's there five years, ten years, thirty years.
6: 45, 46, five, forty not mean that's how long people are in there. Yeah. Yes, it's two weeks, statutory. um Nine weeks ago today, actually, we got a email saying that we were going to liquidation, and our jobs were gone. And would you believe yesterday was the first time we had contact with Deben and they sent out an email to us about um, doing our CVs and um, what we could do with our redundancy payments and our mental health. That was exactly what we received from them then. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm, that's almost put trying salt in the wound, isn't it? Yes,
6: yeah, nine weeks later, yeah.
1: no contact. Yeah. We still
6: haven't received our personal belongings from the store. Can't get in to get those. Um, still on the outside, still watching from the outside. But we won't give up. We're yeah. not giving up.
1: Yeah. There's a text here that says that a Patrick Street protest is pointless, that you should be sending delegations to their UK head office.
6: Well, the union have all that in hand reading needs. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But with the COVID-19, we were we were stranded. There's not much you can do the way we were. With we 2K and the 5K, we found it hard to do process as was.
1: Well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you can now.
6: We can now, yeah. We're out today, yeah. We're out yeah. today. So we should have a big in past Street today. But then you have to do the social distance, and You have to be, take everything into account.
1: Um, and are you guys working on your CVs and resumes? Are, are many of you looking for work and applying for jobs?
6: Well, we're trying to, mean, but we but this all that's going on. You're trying to organise it. You're trying to delay and watch. I mean, it's it's hard going as well for people trying to keep their families and trying to pitch in and do the straight duty. Do you know, and I mean, there's an idea goes by that would that even if you are not on lane duty, that you're not called in, there's something wrong. The van after being seen there's have to be a container thing, and you have to ask them straight away. Do you know.
7: I
1: know, I know. So nine weeks to the day, and and. What you really want is of course Debenhams are not going to reopen, they're gone. But what oh, you no, what gone. you want is, is a proper uh, redundancy package.
6: Yeah. Yeah, that's what we want. That's what we're looking for. It's not much ask for after all the year service that we gave them.
1: And is there and any room for optimism over the last few weeks?
6: Well there is because of the fact that the stock, because they haven't actually come out and said the stock they've come out and said the stock is theirs, but they have no proof. So that's what we're fighting for, that we're not leaving it go. But they will try to take it, and we know they will try to take it.
1: And when are, you t- are we talking hundreds of thousands of euro worth of stock then?
6: Millions. Millions? Millions of stock in India and in Ireland.
1: Literally everything so is much- still on all the shelves inside there, so?
6: Yeah. We never had so much stock um, come into the stores because they brought in extra stock because of Brexit.
1: So that's your bargaining chip, if you like.
6: Yeah, yeah. yeah. And we're not giving up. And it's stronger we're getting. And I and I really think they didn't think that we'd come out fighting like this. But they really have brought out the fight in the, in the people from Cork and from the rest of the country.
1: But if a court rules that they can remove the stock and the Gardaí get involved in it, things could turn very nasty, couldn't they?
6: Well, if, if they ruled that it's theirs, we'd have to leave it going either.
1: yeah,
6: There's nothing you can do about that because they have to go and prove it. But they're not willing to do that either. They're not willing to talk to us. They're not willing to talk to KPMG.
1: Are they expecting you to just get bored and give up?
6: Oh, yes, definitely, yeah.
1: 100%. But that won't happen?
6: That's not going to happen.
1: Okay, okay.
6: There's and people out in the morning from half five in the morning, from quarter past five in the morning, and they're there on the quarter to seven at night. And this is people's families, and they're still out there doing it. Even in the cold and the rain, they're still out there doing it. I know. And we've even had this false alarms where people, taxi drivers, have actually rang us and said, the shutter is up. Could be, this was three weeks ago on a Friday night and we had 20 people in there within 10 minutes. The shutter was up but it was, it was actually broken. All right,
1: it wasn't an attempt to move the stock no, in the middle of the night. No, okay, no, no. okay. All right, well, you're there again today, am I right?
6: We are. We are there from uh, half 11 to half 12 mm. today uh, in the front of the store and we're looking forward to seeing the people
7: at Cork come up and support us.
1: Okay, I wonder if John will be there because he's one of the people who think it's pointless. John?
7: Hello, Neil. Yeah, go ahead. Hello. Yeah. Is that Madeline there? Is yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I was only going to say to Madeline, she said there that the um, the unions are looking after that. But would it be an idea if some of the staff from Dublin and Cork went directly to the Debenham uh, headquarters in England and s- s- spoke? Someone face to face. There's nothing like uh, direct contact, you know. And if they didn't get satisfaction, that's where they should put their protest in and shame them in front of the
1: the, the English people, you that, know? that when a Debenham store in London opens, there would be a cork picket outside exactly. it.
7: Exactly, if they didn't get All satisfaction right. from, the, from the headquarters. Okay. There's nothing like taking the matter into your own hands. I right. leave it
1: to the let, let, I think Madeline did touch on a response to that. Let's give her an opportunity to respond, and then I'll move All on. Right. Madeline, what about that?
6: Yes, the unions have been in contact with England, and they have tried to get there, but... We can't get in contact with him. one of the people. The director, of in Cork, is actually one of the directors of Debenhams living in Cork. We can't get in contact with him here. We actually have tried.
1: I think I think We're what he's suggesting is it. you physically get on a plane. You wouldn't have to go into quarantine because of the relationship between Ireland and England, and and, and you could just if a Debenhams store opens on I don't know Oxford Street or something that you guys would be outside it. That's what he's saying.
6: Yeah, we could. We suppose it's an option for us, but we are. They even have um plan in place for the next couple of weeks um, to visit some of the stores. But Madeline, so we will be doing something like that,
7: Madeline. Yeah. Hello, Madeline. Yeah. Yeah. Hi. Yeah, I wouldn't leave it to the unions. It's too important I'd go direct myself with just say three from Cork and three from Dublin, and people could pitch in and help the expenses and demand to speak to someone at the Debenham headquarters okay.
1: directly. Okay. Thanks for that, John. Appreciate it. Thanks for taking the call, Madeline. It's food for Bye thought. Need your support. You're, no, you're more than welcome. Have a good day today. Lines open, one 104 106 Back after the break.
0: Talk to Neil Printerville now. 1851 106 Red FM. It's time to
1: innovate, really. Come up with new ideas and a new way of thinking because uh, sitting back and just hoping that people are going to come in and uh, shop in your shop, that's not going to do any more now. wouldn't have done even before before COVID-19 with the change in people's shopping habits, particularly online. A lot of people who have migrated to online won't go back either. They'll like the whole idea of things being delivered to their home, particularly things you don't have to try on, you know. So that's, a, that's going to be an issue going forward. So I'll come back to that in, in a few minutes' time. Um, just ahead of, of the news at 10 o'clock, because I know Joe Burns under pressure. He's got Joe's hair salon, Joseph's hair salon out in, out in Glashine. And there is Joe. Hang on, let me just get him on the phone here. Joe, good morning. <coughs> Are you there? Hello? Yeah, yo, Joe. Neil, how are no, you?
8: my friend, I was, I'm, I'm up to something here. Alright, there, there, there was talk, there uh, was
1: there was talk, like, originally hairdressers aren't due to open until the 20th of July, now it's more likely to be the last, you know, the Monday 29th of June, oh, yeah? The 29th
8: June, yeah, Neil, and I'm very excited about it, and I think it's just light as well, because we're already Neil, we have everything in. Monday, in fortnight. Manhattan. Monday, fortnight, and already I'm ready to go nearly. We have everything in all, our PPE, or everything we need to do, you know. It'll be different, O'Neill. It'll be very different. Okay, how will
1: it be different? What are the proposals?
8: (coughs) Proposals is no magazines, no tea and coffees, um, clients not wearing coats when they come in, staff not wearing jewelry and other small things, um, two two at a time in the salon downstairs, two at a time upstairs. Nobody can kind of overlap each other. The whole place has to be sanitized after each client, like thoroughly. Um, anything to touch, then you have to do a kind of record of their tracking and tracing and ask them questions. And can you imagine some of mine now? Holidays, Jesus, I haven't been out of holidays in the last four <laughs> weeks or a half, four months, so I've been cocooning all my life. I've been watching the news at all. <laughs> so, like, it's going to be fun. It's going to be tough, and it's going to be hard to make money. But if you can on only outside. have
1: two downstairs and two upstairs, how many could you have under normal circumstances? Oh, and um, Neil, there could be about 10
8: downstairs. And up- the customers, my customers would be answering the phone and sweeping the floor and making tea and coffee, and everything. be all having chats. here could be done for for half an hour, and they'd be still having a chat. So t- 10 downstairs, and how many
1: time. upstairs? We could have had about five upstairs. So 15, so you go from 15 to 15. four. Fifteen to four. Yeah. How can a business? How can a business make profit with that kind of reduction?
8: Neil, I don't know. That's the only thing I can say. I'm dying to meet people, looking forward to come back, but I am anxious. I'm anxious about the girls holding on to their jobs. So what we're going to do is twelve-hour shifts. I'm going to work nighttime, all nighttime, for for all my older clients because the younger ones don't want me anyway. Because <laughs> you're not funky enough, is it? I'm not funky enough, and then for the older ones are the ones that have the money anyway, so I'm happy
1: out. So you will have yeah, to open 9 to 9, six days oh, a week? 9 to 9
8: or even 9 to 10, yes, yeah, six days a week. And we'll do some Sundays as well, Neil. We'll actually, the girls will be willing to walk on Sundays for the first few months, you know what I mean, just I- to make sure we get everyone done.
1: And when you we talk about your own salon, is, do you think that what you are, what you have in mind—twelve-hour shifts, 9, nine nine in the morning to ten yeah. o'clock at night—will that be the way with all hairdressers? Do you think?
8: Oh, I say so, yeah. I actually would think so, yeah. I think it's the only way we're going to do it. to bring in the same kind of money. We won't bring in the same kind of money. Our prices will have to go up a little bit um, to cover all the PPE and um, trying to keep staff on. We have like disposable sheets, disposable towels all that crack too, um, Neil. You know what I mean? Everything is changing. You can have very little retail on display. We had um, people in from, um, I had two um, infection disease girls in, looking at the place and giving me ideas and all that. So we're fairly...
9: But
1: sure, on. I mean, I don't, I know, I know you're doing all the precautions and it's just over two weeks away, but if the two metre rule is going to decimate pubs, cafes and restaurants, that ultimately means job losses. So surely the same would be said that not all hairdressers will get their jobs back.
9: Oh, no,
8: not all hairdressers will even come to open up, Neil, and not hairdressers will get their job back. And I'm even, like, I'm not sure yet. We're having a meet now next week, see what the girls can do, what hours, hours will be cut, of course, absolutely. But I'm just hoping that I can keep them on and, you know, keep the customs happy, do all the ones we have. Because we've a list, Neil, like, I mean, I'm getting out. Am I first on
1: your list? You know, there's hundreds. <laughs> so do you, you already, can, like many hairdressers, have hundreds of pre-booked oh, appointments.
8: Oh, yeah, yeah, I have my page is full out now already and I know exactly who's coming to me what time and all that. i nearly have my tracking and tracing done before they come in. I'll have it all sorted just when they come in. Oh then.
1: my God, the um, things you're gonna have to do it's, it's going, military style,
8: going, isn't it? Going to be very difficult. There's gonna be no hugging we were a great huggy salon and and there's gonna be no you know bit of chash and and that's what Joseph's is about. It's kind of a community salon and was great crack. Yeah, so really for that it to change kind
1: life. of that that, that that rapport with your hairdresser, much yeah. like yeah. browsing in a shop or browsing for clothes oh, and trying absolutely,
8: things. Absolutely, yeah. Or even a client going over to another client, one of their friends now, do not have seen them for months. It's going be really hard to keep them apart. They probably won't see each other anyway. They have to leave coats outside. They can't wear coats going in small things like yeah, that. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Do you think because it'll be... that's that? It's temporary though, isn't it? That We would hope that by September, yeah. all that will be gone. Oh, Neil please God because I couldn't to be honest
8: with you I will find it very difficult because it's the type of salon and it's what I'm used to maybe you know things are changing but I can't do this not being able to have a chat and the
1: social season, aspect.
8: And thats what we're yeah. about. Absolutely, yeah. Consultations, everything. You know what I mean? It's, it is. It's very much the sort. I knew it was with Easter eggs for Easter and the homeless nip, is always going on. You know what I mean? And all that stuff.
1: Like I heard of a prominent hair salon on the north side that did their numbers two weeks ago. They literally sit, sat down and crunched the numbers and realized that she wasn't going to make ends meet, and it was pointless throwing good money after bad. That's sad, isn't it? Yeah that is sad I'm in a fortunate way that I don't pay rent I own the building and that's lucky me. Yes. that's one thing I've yeah. really
8: gone for yeah. me you know and that I'm very handsome as well so that's <laughs> a <of> common but <laughs> other have that you know what I mean
1: go on <laughs> and modest. <laughs> modest too yeah. you have many attributes modesty isn't one of them <laughs> there'll be fierce repair jobs to do as well
8: because there's loads after doing home jobs I'm out getting phone calls from clients oh Joe I'm after doing this I'm after doing that what will I do you know I say do nothing so you're not going out anyway no one is going to see it you know what I mean
1: <laughs> Scholars delighted with box colours, it means there's going to be a repair work. There'll be big jobs, yeah. There'll be big jobs. You see, I don't know why all of the hair hairstyl- hairdressers were telling me over the last few months, tell when they were on air, don't use box colours. Don't. They should have been saying, use them, use them, get it on your use hair. Them,
8: yeah, we'll have more money to make when they come back. There won't be big jobs, because people, you know, see a boxy this gorgeous blonde with curly hair and think oh I'm going to look like that that's not going to happen <laughs> alright
1: all my man stay in touch alright I'm going to keep on ploughing on you mind is having great talking cheers kid that's Joe from Joe's Hair Sun on in Glasheen. just a quick one Tony good morning good morning Neil thanks as always for being in touch when you spot things what have you seen
9: there's a very serious accident just at the bottom of Dublin Hill there's a lorry on its side I can't see if it's wedged under the bridge but there's three ambulances and three fire brigades and they're trying to cut people out at the moment out of the, the lorry? Was it, uh, oh, oh, I, I can't see down, but I can count three ambulances and three fire brigades. Oh my God. The lorry is on its side, another railway bridge at the bottom of Dublin Hill. I do? No, I'll be honest, I've been on to the council.
1: Is it I too low, do to you think, or what?
9: I take a cop under the bridge and it flipped over.
1: Oh, for God's sake. Have you been on to so the council I, what?
9: I've been on to them for the last five years about erecting signs. Tells, well, you come out of the, the industrial park on top of Dublin Hill and there's no sign telling you you can't turn right to go down the hill. Okay, okay. There's trucks being caught there night and day and they also come around the grotto trying to access the industrial repair.
1: OK, it's a problem then. They need to get it it's together.
9: It's a huge problem. Okay. But like, there's it been a very serious accident there this morning and maybe now they will pull up a sign. OK. I don't know how bad no need, to be honest but the traffic is blocked in both directions and I can still see the three ambulances at the bottom of the hill.
1: I hope and whoever's I in, in that, I what? hope whoever's inside in that truck, lorry is okay. All right, thanks I hope for that. So. All right. right, it
9: looks like a northern lorry. It looks like a northern lorry, but I'm
1: not sure. He may not have known the bridge or the height. Thanks, Tony. Appreciate it. The Neil Prenderville Show
2: with Tesco. We'd like to ask all our customers when shopping in store please practice social distancing.
1: Right, a little bit of housekeeping, if you don't mind. On Tuesday's show, I spoke to Ann, the mother of uh, Bridget, and uh, Bridget uh, was the 16 year old girl who was missing from her home in Churchfield Gardens since Sunday afternoon. Afternoon, remember, spoke on that on Tuesday, uh, didn't get around to updating you with regards to Bridget yesterday, but I know that uh, on, on social media it was reported uh, that she eventually went home. She was last seen outside Penny's on Patrick Street, around about half past six uh, on uh, on Sunday afternoon. Uh, she was with a friend at the time, they split up then, uh, and her mam hadn't heard from her. She didn't come home Sunday night, she didn't come home Monday night, she did come home on Tuesday. She was found in Toker, on Tuesday afternoon, safe uh, and well. Um, and there, there was some spottings of her with, a, with some, some guy uh, on the abandoned Road at one stage, I believe. But the Gardaí are now investigating the circumstances surrounding her disappearance, and I can't say any more about it than that, but at least she's home, and I wanted to update you on that one. And th- can I also say, with regards to numerous, numerous people contacting me regarding some photos and stills that are doing the rounds, uh, that alleges that a particular suspect involved in the issues down in Carrigaline Line uh, was back on social media uh, and, uh, you know, taking photographs and videos. That's not true. Thank you to everybody who got in touch. It isn't true. The photographs that you're seeing and the video stills that you're seeing of one particular young man, they're old photographs. And I'm happy to tell you, that The guy who was before the courts and who was told to stay off social media reports to the guardie quite regularly. He has not broken his bail conditions uh, at this point in time. And those photographs are not relevant because they're old. OK. All right. Happy to do that. So with regards to things happening, BT opens today and indeed Penny's opens tomorrow. A lot of the smaller businesses in the city, Oliver Plunk Street, have opened. Others are waiting to see. A lot of restaurants that would be tight uh, and quite intimate will not reopen at the end of the month. ...because of the two-meter rule. And that's why various headlines say things like... ...the two-meter rule will keep doors shut... ...on 90% of pubs, cafes and restaurants. The same discussions are happening in the UK as here... ...about reducing... ...and I believe it will happen in the coming weeks. I think they've made their mind up on it... ...but they don't want to announce it too soon... That it won't be two meters. That it one it will be one meter. I believe that that will happen. I think they're going to speed up reopenings and re- releasing people from the different phases even faster, because the way it is now, and the examiner recently reported on behalf of the vintners that pubs could face an 87 percent reduction in capacity. And you see that what would happen, what effect that would happen then uh, to their bottom line. Restauranteurs, amongst them Mike at the Mike Ryan at the corn store. And Cockbull are saying distancing will severely affect restaurants as well. Cinema operators have issues with it. They're hopeful of reopening in July, a month earlier. But what are they going to do with seating? I think that there are some drive throughs that are doing quite well at the moment. You know, the drive-in where you sit in the car. Hairdressers have also been moved up from July to the back end of June. But they're going to be severely challenged with regards to literally. Footfall. Uh, And we're looking at, unfortunately, uh, the Red Tops recently were reporting that we're looking at a three year recession on the way. I'd say we're well into that already. Uh, Inevitably, regardless of what government comes around, there will be uh, certainly tax rises and there certainly will be pay freezes, uh, maybe even both the private and the public sector. But other countries have come out, right? And this will give you an idea of what it's like when you come out of, of lockdown and you have a country that is COVID free. That is the case in New Zealand now. They've gone through their four levels of lockdown, right? And earlier in the week, it was reported that there are no positive cases of of COVID-19, coronavirus, in New Zealand. And they are completely back. They're out the other side. Last night, because of the time difference, I caught up with Quintilla de Boucher-Ryan, a court girl from the Sunday's well area who's been living in New Zealand, down in Christchurch, New Zealand, for eight maybe ten years now um, and I caught up with her late last night because of the time difference. Have a listen, this is what it's like when you come out the other side completely 100%. Cantilla, good morning. Good morning Neil. Thank you so much for taking my call from Christchurch New Zealand um, an incredible week for you guys because on Monday I'm told your Prime Minister um, Jacinda Arden did a little dance because you cleared COVID-19 no positive cases exist there anymore.
10: Yeah, it was quite a milestone. Um, We haven't seen evidence of it, but she did say she did a dance. She certainly did. believe her. I wonder what
1: (laughs) what did the rest of you guys do when you got the news that there was no more people uh, with a positive COVID test?
10: um it felt really like a celebration i think everyone felt like you know christmas or summer holidays or something there was lots of um lots of excited phone calls um lots of smiles people out in the street
1: (laughs) yeah it paid off the hard work paid off because back in the end of february you guys went into lockdown you had phases reversed to us we go up through the phases you went down you went to phase uh four wasn't it
10: that's correct. So, le- yeah, level four was basically, uh, you can't leave your house except for an hour a day to go for a walk. So, absolute lockdown, um, in what they called a bubble. So, your bubble is the people in, in your family who are in the house with you. Um, so quite severe. So, that was for about four weeks, um, of that. So, you're either working from home or you're, you're not working and just staying at home and going out once a day. Um, nothing was open. Cafes closed, food delivery closed everything closed except for petrol stations, supermarkets um, and health services.
1: And that was it for many, many weeks. You know, as you went through the phases, incidentally, did everybody comply or were there people or different age groups that found it more difficult than others?
10: Um, Yeah, actually, across the board, everyone seemed to comply. I mean, there's definitely the the odd outlier, um, but there was uh, Google released some stats that show the movement of New Zealanders and by and large everybody really stuck to the rules i think wellington uh, was the 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 area that followed the rules the least but even then it was something like 90 something percent compliance
1: so it was really high that's incredibly high because we did have issues here not everybody was on 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 ball you know and same in the uk unfortunately younger generations found it difficult to stay apart as weeks went on you know and there was a lot of mm. grief in in supermarkets did you have any of that in aisles queuing stuff like that no yes
10: yeah, lots of, I think people, you know, isolated incidents, but um I mean the, the messaging from, from the government was really clear and they, they framed it as kind of we're a team of five million and that mentality being a sports team kind of banding together to be. Uh, COVID really worked I think it resonated with everybody Um, and in the main everybody just kind of got on with things and stayed calm it was um, was really impressive
1: You know there's a lot of similarities between New Zealand and Ireland and New Zealand is being held up somewhat as a poster country around the world your population is 4.8 million very like us an island nation mind you we're much closer to the UK than you you guys are to say Australia I know that but you only had 22 deaths how come so low? Mm. I mean it's incredible
10: I think, uh, for one thing, we, we had kind of the foresight of we could see what had happened um, in Europe and what was starting to happen in other areas. So we immediately know how serious the situation was, um, which is why we went straight to lockdown. And uh, I mean, the main thing is being able to close the borders. Um, every flight from here is long haul, even to Australia, as you say. Um, so once you've closed the borders, there really is no way for anyone to get in or out. Um, and that made a huge difference. So there was um, nobody. Anyone that came in. Yeah, yeah. no. And anyone that f- flew in had to isolate for two weeks, so the um, the government sequestered a bunch of hotel rooms in Auckland and Christchurch and other centres. And if you flew in, you're basically in that hotel room for two weeks before you're allowed out. So Oh, interesting,
1: because um, in parts of Europe, yeah. we ask people to self-isolate for two weeks and to quarantine for two weeks, and they will be asked to do that when they can come in. But there's no way of knowing. You're saying in New Zealand they put you in a hotel room.
10: Yeah. Yeah. So there was at the start, there was um, self-isolation and you had to stay in your home. Um, but when lockdown happened, when level four started, it, you, it didn't matter who you were. You're in a hotel for two weeks um, before you can leave. So they, they had really good contact tracing of who who was going where.
1: How did you how did New Zealand then? Because we had a, we had a big problem with protecting the elderly, particularly in nursing homes and health care settings. Huge percentage of deaths were very old, very immunocompromised. And many, many, the vast majority in, in nursing homes and, and, and care centres
10: yeah we, we were actually the same and i know relatively it's a much smaller number but of the 22 something like um 14 of them were in aged care facilities um there was one in Christchurch that actually unfortunately had 10 in the one in the one centres so that was pretty sad um but again it was because level 4 happened so quickly um everybody was in lockdown so you couldn't visit anybody in the aged care facility um you couldn't see them you couldn't do anything um you were allowed to drop off shopping to people um outside a house but you couldn't have any contact with them so i think that's how um thankfully most most kind of immunocompromised people have
1: been um, have been safe amazing and and jacinda Adair, adairn your prime minister people seem to hold her in very high respect Did they listen to her messages
10: I think so. She she speaks really well and clearly and um, she's often said that as a leader, you can show strength and empathy and you don't need to kind of separate the two. Um, and I think that's kind of... Um, it's done her good stead. Um, one of the other people that's been um, profiled quite a bit is uh, the chief medical officer. I think he is Ashley Broomfield. And again, he's got a really measured way of, of speaking and he really knew his facts and he comes across as really knowledgeable and trustworthy. So I think that kind of you felt that you were in good care. And then um, they and did the, a media.
1: Yes, yeah, a media briefing every day.
10: Yeah, yeah. So at one p.m., kind of the country came to a standstill, and everybody watched the news and <laughs> get the update for that day.
1: And did you continue to keep watching those updates? There was big interest in them here at home for a long time, but then fi- viewing figures petered off as time went on.
10: Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I watched the first few, and then I kind of stopped because it felt too much. You feel like you're too much in kind of a disaster movie, so I just preferred to get on with yeah, work. Yeah, I, um, I know. And I would just watch the summaries afterwards. But um, yeah, I think for. For You know, everyone had a very different experience of lockdown. Some people working, some people weren't. And I think for the ones that weren't, it was a good kind of anchor in the day of, you know, something that's happening regularly.
1: And Um, how did your young people survive it, particularly the very young? I know you have a four year old daughter, for instance, Naomi. How did that work out?
10: Yeah. <laughs> um oh goodness. I I'd say we got through. It wasn't very easy. Um we were lucky enough that my husband and I can both work from home. Um so you know, a great thing in itself, but it was yeah, uh, really really tricky. We had um I think everyone's everyone's work was really understanding because, you know, it's it was an absolute tri- very very tricky period for for anyone that has children. So, um everyone was very understanding in terms of deadlines and meetings and stuff.
11: Yeah.
10: Um yeah, yeah. but a lot of it because we knew we could go out every day, so we'd go out at lunchtime. And um, one of the really cool things that happened was there was a bear hunt um so because all the playgrounds were, were taped off and roped off and it was a bit sad for kids to see, um, everybody started putting um, stuffed animals in their windows so as you're walking along in your lunchtime walk you can um, do a bit of a bear hunt and spot all the bears and some people got really imaginative so that I mean, that really cheered up Naomi and I know a lot of other children and it gave them something to, to look forward to. A,
1: <laughs> a good sexy. distraction absolutely and that's what you need. I mean you went down yeah. through the phases from four through three and then down to two, some businesses start to reopen and when you got Down to one. Of course, you were in touching distance of it all, Um, and that involved pretty much everything being open, apart from schools. Is it schools still open or still closed? I should say.
10: Uh, No schools are open. Um, They opened in level three, so for essential workers, a very small amount of children could return to school. So you know, people that had to go back to work. Um, level two, they were opened with restrictions. Um, and now level one, that's it. Just, you know, good hygiene, good health measures, but it's, um, you know, school is normal.
1: And, and no social distancing. Were you guys at two meters for a long, long time?
10: Yes. Yep. Yeah. We have been, um, and you know, it's it's actually quite weird because even though it's okay now to shake hands and hug and go back to normal, no, no one really is. <laughs> We've gotten used to not touching, not touching anyone, and um, yeah, it's uh, even in the supermarkets. You know, everyone's used to keeping away from each other and kind of no one really quite knows what to do. We and have to so, relearn how yeah. to, how so to when, be social. So
1: when you meet friends then and acquaintances that you would have gone socializing with or out or come over to your house, is, is there apprehension or a little bit of embarrassment as to do I hug you? Do I do I shake? I'm, I'm curious yes. as to whether people will yes. ever shake hands again.
10: Yeah, no one knows the social norms anymore. (laughs) So we kind of, you're you're right, when we see each other, it's kind of this weird, awkward, hello, (laughs) no one knows what to do.
1: (laughs) I'm looking forward to that. (laughs) I'm looking forward to that feeling, I have to tell you. (laughs) Oh, my God. Okay, so you're worried now, well, you're not worried, but clearly on red alert that there could be uh, another spike. Um, So everybody needs to be careful about that, I'm sure, yeah? Yeah.
10: Yes, yep. So anyone coming into the country for whatever reason, they still have to um isolate for fourteen days. That so that hasn't changed. Um I think except for cabin crew. Um so that that will basically they've told us that's gonna continue kind of for the foreseeable future. So until there's a vaccine, I guess, um we'll probably be at this level.
1: But hasn't hasn't New Zealand really taken an awful hammering in, in recent years? I mean, um there's been three major events that I can think of. There was the mosque shooting, there was the Eruption, mm. um, you know, the, you know, the, the COVID nineteen is the third, and for the people in Christchurch, yeah. the third major event. So young people, yeah. so young people. Do you think that young people are, 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 dry, are growing up in a very traumatic time?
10: Yeah, there, there's a lot of conversation around it. There's um, an organisation here called All Right, um, and they're set up by the government, and basically their their aim is just to get people to acknowledge that it's really difficult to go through events like this. And, you know, if you're if you're age kind of 15 to 20, um, you've basically grown up with, you know, years of earthquakes and then the mosque shooting. And then this, I mean, it's it's pretty major events to go through for young people. Earthquake,
1: yes, my apologies. Um, And so that's what they know. I mean, you know, so therefore.
10: Yeah, that's what that's what they've had. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That must make Um, them quite anxious
10: yeah there's a lot of kind of discussion around you know are we gonna have a generation of people who are gonna be super anxious and um how to combat that and um acknowledge it you know and have people feel okay about things and that it is okay to be anxious about it if they feel anxious
1: hopefully they'll recover from it and learn that uh, you know life is to be enjoyed uh, the economy shot to bits though I'd say is it
10: yeah yeah they're um they're predicting kind of a very short and sharp um recession so hopefully. Sharp, very, very um, strong effect, but not for, for too long. I mean, tourism is a big part. I think about 4% of the GDP here. So it's um, for areas like Queenstown and Rotorua. I mean, their business basically, like, you know, there's nothing going on in that city. It's yeah. a ghost town. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's going to be really tough for, for a few months for some areas.
1: Did businesses get um, assistance? Will they get grants to help reopen? And incidentally, did people who lost their jobs or were unable to go to work, do they get COVID payments?
10: Yes, so the government introduced a wage um, subsidy. So any business that could show a 40% drop or more in revenue um, qualified and then they were able to give, I think it was up to 80% um, of people's wages were covered by the government. Um, They've extended it for areas like Queenstown, which has been particularly badly hit for another 12 weeks. And um, It's just to help because, you know, same as in Ireland, there's a lot of owner operators here um, that have small businesses and it's just to help hospitality and tourism businesses get through really for the next few months and yeah. then try and pick up the pieces.
1: Yeah, yeah. Do you um, lo- yeah, Do you love it there?
10: Yeah, I do. We've been here about nine years now. It's hard to think it's been that long, but um, no, we really enjoy life here. It's lovely.
1: And, and what about at home? Are you, you're from Cork, clearly, aren't you?
10: yeah yeah I grew up in Cork Um, yeah have a lot of um, friends and family my sister and mum are still in Cork what part Um, so yeah it's hard Uh, Sunday as well
1: oh lovely I hope they're listening do you get home or were you in touch keeping in touch with them throughout all of this
10: yeah um, yeah that was kind of quite a stressful bit as well when you're far from far from home and you're trying to kind of ring family and see that they're okay and what's happening and kind of confusion everywhere so it's it's pretty stressful but um it's it's a weird feeling to think that you know we're safe but we're kind of marooned on the island that you know if I want to visit Ireland I kind of can't really for the not, next not while. For a um, while
1: yet but that that day will come while, as well it, yeah and I hope they come. It will I'm come. sure they're listening this morning yeah, now with a sure smile on their face and and just finally when when it was you got the all clear and the green light what was the first thing you did or what were you looking forward to doing most that you couldn't do throughout the last 3 months
10: um gosh I think so you- just get back to normal. Just that that feeling of you know being able to just do things without thinking, because you're always thinking. What am I doing? Where am I going? What's happening? Um, so being able to we have um, a birthday um, a friend of ours has a birthday this Saturday and there's a group of us can go and we can all go and we can all you know sit at the same table and not have to be distant and just get back to normal Um, that will be quite a treat so
1: oh that's very interesting I won't keep you much longer but one of your phases involved cafes and bars and restaurants with uh, reduced capacity how did that work out?
10: yeah we, we actually tried it out I think we're trying to kind of support local business as much as we can so we went to um uh, a local restaurant here, Pomeroy's, and they had basically taken out some of the furniture um, and introduced table service for everything. Um, so it, it worked out fine. It was it was nice, actually. It didn't kind of detract from it too much. Um, although I, I think for them, you know, it would have been tricky because you've got less um, less covers that they can
1: yeah, get, get through. Yeah, it's all about do they do make enough money? And were the bars the same? Do they work it out, too?
10: Uh, bars had restricted opening, I think, because you know it's much harder to control yes. in a bar environment. Yeah. So yeah. they yeah. were only really op- able to open it. Um, level 2 and it's only now that we're at 1 that they can kind of open you know as they would
1: have had before Okay, okay Well, listen it's great to hear the news it really and truly is It's been a pleasure talking to you incidentally and I send you all the best wishes uh, from Cork to you guys over there Well done It's, uh, it's an incredible achievement
0: The Neil Prenderville Show on Twitter at NeilRedFM
1: Okay, we to catch up on some uh, texts and emails so Oh, now you can hug and shake hands and do all sorts of things like that in New Zealand and hopefully before long we'll be able to do the same One wonders whether we will ever shake hands or hug again, though. Uh, You know, you just get into the swing of the way things are, and it'll be difficult maybe for some to reboot. You know, we need to be very careful as well that Cork doesn't become a third or a fourth city. You'd have Dublin, and you could have Waterford, and you could have Limerick, and you could have Galway, and then Cork. Because there are a lot of other cities that have been quite proactive. Like, say, for instance, in Waterford. And Cork City Council aren't doing what Waterford are doing. Whereas in Waterford, uh, from the 11th of June, from today... You pay for the first hour parking and you get the second hour free. And everyone's on board, the private car parks and the public car parks. And it's in the city and the county council. They're all working in partnership with all of the car park providers across the city. You get an hour parking. Um, uh, if you do the first hour, the second hour is free in any of the car parks. Um, I mean, it's an incredible initiative that maybe they should think about doing here in Cork. Like it's, it's interesting because like capitals don't have to be. The Mecca. They just don't like if if you look at say for instance, I was just we were just talking about this myself. And my wife yesterday we were just talking about this that like Rome isn't the fashion capital of Italy. It's Milan, you know, uh, a capital city doesn't have to be the mecca for the best of food. I think everybody in Ireland would, would acknowledge that Cork has the best restaurants and, you know, they have the best choice. And if you look at Cork City, the suburbs and indeed West Cork, for instance, and that would back up that my, my claim would stand up there. So why then couldn't we, you know, by way of some kind of initiative with all of the great boutiques and the great bars and the great restaurants and really great hotels, across the city and the, and the county. But primarily, if you look at the city now, if everybody pulled together, and even if, say, the city council and the car parks were all on board, and, and, like, the hotels were on board, and they all collaborated together, together, and there was a huge marketing campaign, like, offering rooms for for 10 euro for the whole month of July or the whole month of August, you know, Monday madness, like, stay in Cork City, uh, you know, on Mondays for a tenner or something. You know, advertise it everywhere. You know, it's easy to moan, but it's not as easy to be innovative. That's where the hard work kicks in. The cream always rises to the top, I think, and and certainly sitting back and hoping and praying that people are going to come into the city. Those days are well gone. Like in Soho now, they're pedestrianizing everywhere uh, because they figure, like, it's the only way they're going to get people back. And that is uh, allowing businesses, particularly those involved in the services industry, food and beverages, to use the outdoors. I mean, that's a proposal. Uh, for Princess Street, isn't it? Lower Princess Street, isn't that where Clancy's are? Where, that, you know, I think that Rossini are on board with it. Um, Clancy's and other restaurants where they'd be allowed to use the outdoors across the summer. Anyway, just, just food for thought going forward. But certainly there's going to be some serious thinking going on because the front of the echo this morning, what we were talking about, about closures, um, that's not sustainable. And, and these are closures before things get back to normal at all. Uh, which means that more with the two-meter rule probably won't even open. I know I was trying to book a restaurant recently. I won't say where, uh, you know, trying to get a table to support a business on the 29th, Monday, the 29th of June, and the the owners are telling me, well, actually, we haven't made a plan even to reopen on the 29th of June because the two-meter rule doesn't make it Profitable for us to do it. So that's a worry going forward. Um, and anyway, with the state of, you know, our city with regards to recent events, let me get through some uh, short emails and texts on this. And I'll get back to phone lines then. Seamus Wheelhan's downtown. Uh, Morning, I grew up in Barrack Street in the Barrack Street Greenmount area in the 1980s. And while there were rough and tough gangs from knocking around, it was never as bad as it is now. And generally afraid of what's happening to our great city. Parents have a lot to answer for. They want to be friends with their children instead of rearing them properly, properly. And there is a difference, says Ken. Owen says, my office relocated to the city six years ago. In those six years, it is a rarity to see guards patrolling the city. My office is located around the Paul Street, Lavitz Key area. The drug culture around there has increased year on year to what is now only dangerous levels. People are openly dealing drugs. From all walks of life, incidentally, my colleagues and I are very conscious of walking in this area, Paul Street, Lavitz particularly late in the evening when we finish work. Uh, My colleagues have also reported persistent drug use in the local car parks. And that's frightening. On days when there is a guard presence, we all feel a little little safer. We can't understand why there aren't more guards walking the streets in the heart of the city. Surely it would discourage this kind of behaviour. Boots on the ground, they call that, Owen, isn't it? Anne says, it's scary for Irish people living abroad to hear the stories from Cork that you've on air recently. Now, why isn't there a backup guarder reserve? I'm sure many retired people would help. Why can the same gangs in Cork just get worse and get away with traveling to the same venues on the buses? Well, you're talking about the gangland fighting in different suburban satellite towns. They use the bus to get back and forth. Uh, Anne says, I wonder what type of employees some of these gang members will turn into in a few years time. Uh, They should get a good grounding about job prospects, behavior uh, and travel early on in school as well as at home. Well, thank you for that. Um, I hope that many of those that are involved in the gang cultures now do get sense and grow up and mature. But who knows? Marie says, what a load of nonsense about the teacher on air saying one in four teachers in London are being assaulted In school. I've been a teacher here in London for the last 30 years and I've never had a crossword with a single child. Perhaps some of the teachers need a change of career, says Marie from London. But listen to your show uh, a lot more recently since lockdown's begun and I've enjoyed it. But from my own point of view, to sum up each debate from the college road antics, George Floyd troubles, Discrimination in general, the cruel assault incident of that poor young fellow in Carrigan last week. The main point I feel can sum it all up is one bad apple can spoil the bunch. We're all entitled to opinions and different points of view, but that does not mean we are right or wrong. Opinions are divided and my point is just because a few select incidents happen does not mean that Cork is bad or a certain group of people are bad. We're too quick to generalize. What I think you mean is that one bad apple can't spoil the bunch. Technology, social media has provided a platform for people to see and show. So therefore, we hear and see more now. It also provides a platform for opinion to be shared, whether right or wrong. Cork isn't all that bad. We have our flaws, as do all. But in big, in the bigger picture, I would say we're extremely lucky to live in a place with great opportunities, beauty and decent, honest people, the majority of us. We're always attracted to the negative and never the positive. We love to moan, myself included, but in the bigger picture, I think we are lucky and need to realize and appreciate that. I just wanted to express my opinions on the overall picture that things are not as bad as portrayed in the media. Yeah, I mean, it is beautiful. Yesterday, for the first time in a long time, I got to actually walk on a beach, and that was Myrtleville, and it was great to see lots of other people there. There was a fellow... He had a small little little truck with him, you know, one of those ones you pull with the back of a van or a car, and he was selling coffee, which I thought was fantastic, and there was a lot of people on the beach. There was kids gathered on the beach as well, and in the rocks and things like that, all well-behaved, just hanging out together, <laughs> unfortunately not two metres apart, but what are you going to do? Um, and then there's many more texts on things like that, which I'll come back to throughout the course of the morning. But Seamus is downtown. Tomorrow's, tomorrow's a real big day with the opening of Pennies. That's when you're going to see huge amounts of activity. But I was just curious as to what kind of activity there was this morning uh, on Patrick Street with the opening of Brown Thomas, and he joins me by phone. Seamus, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How's it working out down there? What time do they open at?
11: Well, they, they opened on bang on half ten, and there was uh, quite a lengthy queue road, right around the side of the building, down the side of the old kind of. Debenhams uh, I'm not sure the name of that Mailer
1: Street that's Mailer Street Mailer
11: Street that's it uh, they have a capacity of 181 within inside the, the store and uh, there's three ways of actually gaining entry uh, you can either queue as normal with the obviously keeping your 2 metre distance or you can book your um, slot online and come as your allotted time where there's a separate
1: queue for that ah, so all of those people in that queue have they booked a time
11: no they uh, they they just turned up this morning um, to go in, but um the, I was talking to the assistant manager there a while ago, and she said that the uh, the online bookings have been uh, booked out for today. Uh, she didn't actually give me a number of what those would be. Uh, but they have a separate queue to gain access to the premises. And there, there's a third uh, way that uh, people can get into Brown and Thomas this morning, and that's through a virtual queue. So if the uh, store reaches capacity of 181, uh, basically you take uh, a scan of a, Quark code or a QR code that they have on their window. And uh, that will they'll automatically text you back then when the numbers have dropped down and it's safe. Isn't that amazing? Three different
1: options: the pre-booking, the queuing to get in, and the online one, which gives you a code to come back when it's your turn. So they really are putting out all the stops. Do you talk to anybody in the queues as to what they want in there?
11: I hadn't yet because I, what I was doing first, Neil, was I was going to walk around uh, Patrick Street because we've had the um, the whole situation there with uh, uh, on the front of the Echo last uh, this morning uh, of the businesses that have gone for the street. And I wanted to see for myself how many more businesses are not on on the, our main thoroughfare. And uh, looking at the walkabout today, I reckon there's about 13. Uh, three of those you would expect that would Come back in a few days' time, uh, but I can walk you through that if you wish go um, ahead,
1: yeah what was what are your thoughts on a walk up and down both sides of the street?
11: Well, I started off this morning on the Dawn square on the corner of Don Square, where you have uh, mcdonald 's the old mandys, and that premises is absolutely gutted, so you would expect that that would be refitted and uh, and ready for uh, a new trade when, when it's safe to do so for, for restaurants. And um, then the, there's obviously, there's other buildings there like the old AIB Bank near Waterstones. That has been uh, idle for quite a many years and it's a, it could be a nice location for, for any business to, to reopen. Opp- opposite that, you have the estate agents. I think they were retail, uh, retail estates. Uh, they're gone. Debenhams, obviously, are gone. you've accessorised. Monsoon, hairspray, Calendar Club, Villa. And um, there was a sports shop then next to the TSB bank. Um, I believe it was Lifestyle Sports. That's still empty. Um, as in empty, I mean, like
1: as in as in they won't. There isn't a business going to reopen there. You're saying empty?
11: Yeah, it, it, it's just uh, it's it's totally empty. There there is no stock, no nothing. Um it's just a unit ready to let. And um, then you've got hit hey, Samuels, which are closed. I, I was talking to a few uh, business owners. They expect that to be open in a few days. Uh, the shoe shop, opposite Merchants Key. uh, that also has been gone for quite a number of years and hasn't reopened. Um, You also have uh, Tong Sing, which is obviously a restaurant that will open soon. And the old Vodafone store, which is opposite Brown and Thomas, that's gone, obviously. And there's a, a letter agreed, up on that, so you would hope that whatever business agreed to go in there pre COVID nineteen will uh, follow through. And, that's and, a beautiful. And it that's forward. a
1: beautiful unit. The old Cudmore's shop you're referring the to.
11: The yeah. yeah. I remember going in there for years, getting the uh, the sugar candy. That's right. But anyway, um, I also I took a, a stroll off uh, Patrick Street. Just tiny little diversion this morning into uh, Market Parade. And you've got a number of uh, premises there gone with a number of years, like Flora Fisher gone two years, Miss Daisy Blue are gone, Devilish Blue by G, uh, Devilish by Gina's gone two years, and Ruby and Pico is also gone uh, one year. And I think um, the, uh, the the shoe shop owner uh, Kevin, I think so Donahue, he uh, he may be talking to you soon because he's got uh, an issue with city council where the gateway between market parade and uh, the English market has not been reopened and has oh. been closed since the 20th of March. Now I, am, I also put a call into um, the incumbent mayor, Lord Mayor, uh, Councillor Joe, o- uh, Joe Kavanagh just to see his thoughts on things on, on the whole issue of, of Patrick Street and rejuvenating the, um, the whole city centre and he said it's um, Supporting businesses is one of his three pillars for his tenure as Lord Mayor of Cork City, and um, he said that they'll be working on the the, the national plan to reopen Ireland. Um, he also hopes to support uh, businesses and their, with their rates in some way as best they can. But he said the it's not, um, it's not
1: down it's, to him. That's that's not his gig, though. That's the city manager. And no, Thirty million in the no, hole. You can whistle.
11: Yeah, he said he said he he's uh, saying that there could be possible at least ten million uh, of, of a hole for in revenue over the uh, COVID nineteen uh, lockdown, but that he wants to work with the city manager and, and, and try and do something with rates and with obviously the rates being set uh, at national level, he wants to try and influence that as well as part of his tenure.
1: Okay, okay. So the, the list goes on, though uh, monsoon. Accessorize, uh, Debenhams, Villa Selected, you mentioned, Mountain Warehouse, Hairspray, the relocation of Eason's o- Oasis as well into yeah. the back in there. You talk about two or three other buildings there that are closed and have been for quite some time. Um, it's not very positive, is it, going forward? I mean, it really isn't like particularly with the social distancing and the two meter rule. <laughs>
11: It's, I, yeah, it's just that like a lot of the premises are are hoping that that would be reduced uh, over the coming coming weeks um, to maybe to maybe one meter or one and a half meters, and that will free up some extra capacity because there's not too many uh, premises like Brown and Thomas that can actually facilitate quite a large number, like 181. Like I was in the uh, phone zone there earlier. No, that's uh, kind of a big enough space, but they're only allowing two uh, people in for time. Okay, okay. Uh, so it is a struggle. Look, Cork has been on its knees before, and it's bounced back. And I'm sure the business owners in the city will do their utmost to, to try and help the uh, premises, or help the, the, the public uh, in shopping. Online shopping, I don't think has helped them too much, but look, we have, there's nothing much at the moment to attract people in, like the restaurants aren't fully op- aren't open yet, uh, we have some of the coffee shops open, but despite all that Neil, there's still a bit of a buzz around town, there's, there's still people out and about and browsing and looking, and uh, you would hope that that would build okay. over, the,
1: uh, over the coming weeks. Okay, good stuff. Just finally, brand thomas is only ground floor, is it, or is it the whole building?
11: Um, As far as I'm aware, it's the the, the full building, but I can double-check that. All right,
1: okay, Okay. appreciate that. Thanks for now, Seamus Whelan, downtown, uh, and uh, good buzz, he says, and three different queues for BT. So that's the story with BT this morning. So they have the pre-booking, the queuing system, and then the uh, app one where you can download the barcode thing, and they'll call you back when there's an opportunity to pop in there. Of course, tomorrow. Yeah, you got to wonder how they're going to handle it in pennies. Back after the. Actually, I'll take a phone call and then go for a break after that. Wayne, good morning. Thanks for holding. Good morning. How are you doing, Neil? How are you think? All right, well, thanks. And you, what's the story with regards Hi. to the changing face of Ireland, is it? The new age. I well, I, will. I
3: wouldn't call it a new age, but what's going to. Basically, Ireland is at a, We're at the crossroads here now of something massive. What's got We have a chance here to fix this country properly, once and for all, across the board. But at the moment, we have political parties in Dublin that are still living in the are still are still adamant about doing things their way and the only way and the old way of doing things and that's not right that's not the way things have gone this virus happened for a reason God knows why nobody knows why it happened it just has happened and it's it's, it's actually given the Irish people a chance to fix this country properly from the from the from the bottom up and the top down the Irish people are ready to go we're ready to do things we're ready you can hear it. you can see people out in the streets They're willing to do it. They want to change. But it's the Irish government at the moment, right now, has has put a stop on everything. As we sit here right now, there's about 80 people on the waiting list, on trolleys waiting to go into hospitals, waiting to go into beds at the moment. Like you know, when there's a thousand beds plus
1: empty, there are empty. loads of beds empty. Yeah, but that's because you of COVID nineteen. Like, like that's the reason.
3: That's understandably so. But what's got They're telling us that it's nearly it's, it's nearly cleared off and everything. I don't believe that it is. I believe that potentially a second wave will come. I hope I'm wrong, and dear God, I hope I am wrong about that. But I think something else is going to flare up later on. And if that flares up again, Neil, the Irish people are well exhausted to the point now. Our frontline staff. Our doctors and nurses—they're all exhausted. I, yeah, they're okay, so wh- so warm. okay,
1: fair enough. But what's the solution then? What are you talking? What are you actually the talking so, about?
3: The solution to the problem is that we need to change our uh, we need to change how we do things in this country. We need to do we need to look at things from a positive point of view, uh, like uh, which we need to. This like you know, at the moment, it's gone from COVID nineteen straight to the economy. The economy is no, the the economy won't exist if the people in Ireland are not well. That's the reality of it all. We need to change our minds. We, we need to change how we think about things, how we do things. We need to be smarter about things. And we need to ju- just wake up a little bit,
1: you know? A bit more imagination, what, what, is it? The, what's
3: the mo- exactly. What's the most important thing in, in anyone's life? Our lives in this country. Our health. Without your health, you have nothing. Your health is your wealth in this country. But We have the opportunity here to think bigger here. We have a beautiful country. We have fantastic food. We have a fantastic way of living here. Every country in the world loves coming to Ireland. When that time happens again, when they can come here, be more imaginative about things. Think on the positive side of things. Don't be just saying, oh, we can't do this. The government has to help us with this. We need money. We need it. Everybody needs money. But at the end of the day, we've come through one of the worst things ever that has hit this country in, since the famine. And we're still standing. And we're still moving. And we're still going. And all we're hearing now at the moment is about two metres social distancing, about pubs can't open, about restaurants, about this, that and but the other. But all of those things, they, open they, but inside. all
1: of those, they employ people. There are jobs there they and not all of those jobs will come and back.
3: It, and you can't just, it's not like a switch. It hasn't, like, you know, all of a sudden the lights went out in this country for three months or so, give or take. And you can't just flick it back on again. It takes time but everything will come back to normal. Unfortunately, businesses that can't survive aren't able to survive. That's the reality of it all is. That's the way it is. Be imaginative. You're in business and doing one thing, you're you're clearly had a successful business, you start up something else, look at it from a different point of view, start up something else. Okay. If you're so in a position to do so. Okay, so you're and talking about survival
1: something. of the fittest then, isn't
3: it? Survival the of way. the fittest, and we all can get through it and work it out. But stop, like, you know, what's your... The, the political parties in Dublin are, are putting a block on everything at the moment. You don't see any of them taking pay cuts. You don't see any of them sitting around. They're only just rubbing their hands and saying, which which one of us is going to be Taoiseach and all this crack. And they're swinging around and they're doing nothing, talking, talking, talking. We've been in, we had no government for the last four or five months, the longest in history, and they think it's thing or nothing. Like at the end of the day, they're, they're laughing about us. And we're, and we're talking about now complaining about social distancing and stuff like that. Unfortunately, it has to be done. But if we all use our imagination, and if we all just get on with things, like that lady from New Zealand, what did they do? They just got on with it, accepted it, got on with it, and now they're back open again. Albeit the circumstances are slightly different than ours, but the reality of it all is... Positive thinking, positive attitude, and stop mourning and get on with it
1: all. All right, thanks, Wayne. Appreciate that. Somebody was asking me, do you know if people travelling to and from the UK need to quarantine for 14 days? Texter says, I'm hearing mixed messages in relation to this. Some are saying yes, some are saying because of a relationship with the UK we don't have to. I work in recruitment and have candidates who want to move home for work but are being delayed because of quarantine, and candidates who need to travel but can't because of the time it would take to do so. Any idea what the actual rule is? Well, the actual rule is that there is no requirement for people arriving into the UK from Ireland to quarantine. Ireland has that special relationship. But um, everybody regardless of the passport they hold, is required to quarantine when they arrive into Ireland, and that includes um, the UK. The only exception to that is people come from the north of Ireland into the Republic. So what I'm saying is, um, what, I'm un- what I understand the, the rule to be, is that we can go into the UK without having to go into quarantine, but if they come into Ireland, they have to, or at least they have to say that they're going to. Does that explain it to you? I hope that that clears it up. Back after these.
0: Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 1850-104-106. Red FM. Uh,
1: Lee, he's Open Farm. Good luck to the best to all of them. They're reopening tomorrow. The 12th, says Katrina, and I want to wish them all the best of luck on that one. Um, just to, with regards to a lot of emails, just ahead of 11. Let me get some more of those on the air. People can deny, and this is on Black Lives Matter, or indeed the arrogance of it, uh, as Anthony says. People can deny it all they want, but black people are professional victims no matter what country they go to in the world. Um, These are Anthony's thoughts, incidentally, not mine. The total arrogance of the Black Lives Matter movement couldn't display this any clearer. As a continent with over 50 countries... Uh, These people give every kind of sob story to flood the world as asylum seekers. Perhaps they should get their own house in order before begging constantly for foreign aid from the rest of the world and flooding the rest of the world with stories that can't be backed up the majority of the time when they come here. There's no need to come to the other side of the world to start a new life when you have over 50 countries to choose from on your own continent. Um, Now, okay, that's an interesting perspective on things, but it doesn't bear any relationship at all to the killing of George Floyd or racism in America or indeed racism here for people. The people in America who are protesting or the black community in America, they're Americans. you know, They're third or fourth generation Americans. Um, Don't like it, scroll on, but I can no longer grieve for George Floyd. But I would grieve for America. Terrorists set a homeless man's belongings on fire as he slept on the street. Terrorists beat a store owner unconscious for defending a store. He was left for dead and passed, passed away from the injuries he sustained. Who grieved for him and his families? Now, this email, when he refers to terrorists, it's his name or her name for um, uh, the looters, right? And the, those that took to the streets and, the, you know, the thuggery. Terrorists took the little hope that some small business owners devastated by the coronavirus had for their future. And he ex- and they extinguished them. Terrorists burned horses alive. Terrorists trapped uh, horses in horse trailers. Terrorists set fire to a luxury car dealership. They set fire to St. John's Church in Washington. They defaced the national monuments. Terrorists set fire to a black-owned sports bar and then tried to steal what wasn't burned. Terrorists overturned a police car. To add insult to injury, a woman climbed up on the overturned squad car and took a dump on it while being cheered on by other terrorists. 82 black people shot and 19 dead in Chicago last weekend alone. No one cares about anything like that. Chris Beatty, a black man, former uh, football player, shot and killed in a protest. No one cares. Dave Patrick Underwood, a black federal police officer, killed on duty. No one cares. David Dorn, a black man, Missouri police captain, shot and killed by looters on June 1st. No one cares. A white police officer, shot in the back of the head by a black man during the riots in Las Vegas. He died. No one cared. I will no longer grieve for George Floyd, but I will grieve for America for America. And right now, terrorists have their knee On the throat of America. And we, the people of all colors, are the ones now that can't breathe. And that's from a listener, possibly Irish, possibly from Cork in America at the moment. Uh, Just adding to the uh, email I sent you the other day regarding the nonsense of Cork's protest. People are forgetting the protesting in America is about the treatment of black men and women in police custody. That's the main issue over there. I can't remember any time in my life, and I'm 42 now, when I heard of police brutality towards the black community in Ireland. I'm open to correction on this, but I reckon we don't have that issue here at all. So can someone tell me what's the purpose of the protest? Do these people think that anything we do in Ireland is going to impact for change in America? Absolutely not. Those people protesting need a reality check. They should be ashamed of their carry-on. No physical distancing, not respecting the hard work all of us have done over the last three months to try to confine and beat coronavirus. The future of Ireland is on a thread. The government needs to fill the streets with police and the people who break the law in our city should face the consequences and serve time in jail. I'm working a night shift at the moment, so I find it hard to come on air, but hopefully I'll get to it soon. Can everybody please try live their own lives and get along? Life is hard enough anyway, says Jamie. And there's many, many other ones like that. Uh, we'll pick it up again after 11. You can text 86 You want to get on the air? one 850
0: Get it off your chest. Text the Neil Brinderville Show now. Oh eight six eight one zero four one zero six. Talk- Red FM. We're talking a
1: lot of late then with regards to creches and childcare when they get back. Will they all come back? Will parents send their children to crash and to childcare and things like that? And, you know, will creches be able to cope? with all of the distancing issues. You should raise the child care topic again now that the new funding model has been announced. What does this really mean? Our latest creche communication is that they can't open due to safety concerns and lack of guidance. I mean, it's going to be very difficult, isn't it, to get kids to stay two metres apart, like particularly the, the little toddlers and stuff like that. Uh, anyway, back to the email. The terms and conditions of the new plan will only be available to creches at the end of next week. And at that... Stage of the COVID lockdown uh, and even now they haven't received any consultation in advance uh, or any crash-related announcements. Is it possible to get politicians making all these plans on your show? Can we see answers from politicians as to why they don't consult those of us working in the sector? Um, I'm an exhausted pregnant working mother. I'm at home here doing a half-arse job working and even a worse job parenting or 22-month-old um, since uh, week one. Uh, when the creche is closed, Uh, I love my job and my family, but spend my time feeling guilty and doing both jobs badly. My husband also works from home and we spend our days juggling back and forth between working and parenting. Our toddler is at a busy age. You don't just sit him down with an activity for an hour. We completely understand why we all need to stay at home and both our workplaces have been very understanding. Uh, and we're still working, but the balancing act is getting too much at this stage. One last note, our creche are excellent, and my toddler was always well cared for and happy there. The staff were amazing. I had trouble getting my son to come home in the evenings. It was that good. He loved it so much, says Kate. So a lot of uncertainty and a lot of Unknown. And then, um, you know, this is an interesting email that Emmett sent me because it's an email that he's actually sent to RTE. He says a copy of an email I sent to RTE regarding the recent stabbing in Carrigaline. The protests and the debates around Black Lives Matters have continued to dominate the airwaves of our national broadcaster. I listened to your program and to your credit, the stabbing of the innocent boy did get a lot of coverage. And it's from Emmett Murray in Wilton. He says, feel free to give up my details. Uh, so this is sent to RTE, to whom a concern. I just want to mention that, the, that uh, very little national news coverage has been given to the stabbing of a 17-year-old boy in Carrigaline County, Cork, that occurred on Saturday the 6th of June in Waterpark Estate. He was set upon by a gang of youths, and the images of its injuries in the immediate aftermath of the robbery are quite shocking. Why is this incident of so little importance to RTE? when so much coverage has been given to protests in the USA. Every decent person knows the actions of that police officer who murdered George Floyd are disgusting and wrong. He's been charged with the murder, and hopefully he'll get a fair trial and justice will prevail. RTE seems to be very Dublin-centric and has given very little coverage to important news stories such as this, which are a matter of public safety and people's genuine concerns, the stabbing. Uh, I imagine you will get some kind of a response from, from uh, RT on that one, Emmett, but thank you for sending me a copy of it. And one quick one then on Carrigaline, Line. Lads, hope you're well. heard an interview uh, on the show where a suggestion was floated that the 220 bus be curtailed in order to break the link between the city's two biggest satellite towns, Ballincollig and Carrigaline. I even heard on your show a dafter suggestion of Gardaí boarding buses on the route to ensure that these miners aren't able to make their trips across town. In Cork, there are a total of 14 separate city bus routes. Up to eight of these routes are cross-city. Many have been cross-city routes for donkey's years. The 208's an example. It links Mayfield to Bishopstown. I don't believe cutting a successful bus route is the way to go. If you terminate the Ballincollig to Carrigaline bus. In the city centre, these kids will just hop on another bus and simply cross and get on the Carragalline bus. It's that easy for them if they want to go somewhere. Something in Carragalline is unfortunately clearly attracting them and that something isn't a spin on the bus. Surely anyone with a bit of common sense can figure out that this latest problem in our city with regards to this bunch of kids isn't simply the fault of a bus route or the staff. Thanks Neil, says Greg. And that by email to neil at redfm.ie. Do you remember yesterday, and I ran out of time, I was telling you a very funny story that involved foot golf. That originally was a golf course on the entrance into Kinsale. Now it's foot golf. They got a letter uh, during the week, um, which is very funny because it was from a man who cancelled his stag, right? But rather than me telling you the whole story, I've got Ian O'Driscoll from Foot Golf by phone. Ian, good morning. Hi Neil, how are you? Very good, and I've actually seen a a photocopy of the letter. What what was it all about? It was like a pang of conscience, was it? I think
12: so, yeah. (laughs) I was saying in the letter that, uh, you know, during COVID, a lot of people are saying to me that hopefully we'll come out of this better people and, uh, you know, that we might all be nicer to each other. And uh, I received a letter uh, during the weekend And it was from, that was anonymous. They didn't sign it off, but the the postmark was from Leash. So obviously some guy a few years ago had uh, booked a stag party. And on the morning of the stag party, decided that, you know, they were going drinking for the day. And on the letter, he actually said that they regretted it because they were in bed for six o'clock that night. But um, I remember at the time, I I kind of have a fair recollection of it. And he was, the the attitude was, look, you have a deposit thanks very much good luck and uh, you know we, we we get that a good bit especially with the stags I suppose but yeah
1: where they may not turn up and you just get the deposit and nothing else
12: yeah for sure and you know look it's to be expected I suppose and then some you know some people might come in half groups but the deposit is is a kind of some kind of
1: compensation what is that like 10% or 20% or what
12: well, no, it's usually half, you know, but like for a group of maybe 20 or 30 people, we've blocked up that whole section for maybe half an hour, an hour, and on a Saturday, as you can imagine, that's our that's our peak time, so it's a bit of a disappointment, but look, you know, I've been to stags before, we've all been to stag parties before, and there's always the stragglers who don't turn up to the event, and... Too much drink
1: the night before, yeah, and can't get out of the lab. Can I just, can I read it out if you don't mind? A few years back, I cancelled my stag with you on the last minute. We had stayed drinking in Kinsale instead, which was a big mistake as we were all mostly in bed about six o'clock that evening. Anyway, I felt guilty about it ever since partly because of the cancellation and he also says and also because I was a bit of a dick in the way I communicated the cancellation. I've been lucky to have been able to work during COVID-19 and I know a lot of small businesses like yours have not been so fortunate. It's a brave thing uh, to start your own business and I admire your courage. So today I've decided to cleanse my soul (laughs) By finally paying the money I owe you. Hope it comes in handy. Uh, and there not there somewhere. I saw a photo. Did I see a photograph of a cheque or something?
12: No? no, there was 200 euro cash. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I was taken back by it, really, because <coughs> I suppose, you know, we all know what happened in Cargline. I'm from Cargline, and there's been a lot of negative about younger people. And even by the tone of the letter, and as you said, the way he explained how he behaved and the writing. I, I thought of someone definitely in their in their early 20s. Yeah, yeah. Um, Obviously, thought, this, you know, is do- this has absolutely. been
1: dogging them for quite some time. How long do you think it's been dogging I think
12: three, three or four years. <laughs> <laughs> you know? So, uh, I thought, you know, fair news to the young lad. And uh, I have to say, I, I was pleasantly surprised. And, you know, I think, as I said at the end of my letter, you know, it maybe gives us a bit of hope that maybe people are using this period, uh, you know, to to reflect and to think of... I suppose misdemeanors. Uh, yeah, yeah, uh, you <laughs>
1: said actually, in fairness to you, you said maybe COVID 19 will have an impact on the way we treat people moving forward. I hope so.
12: Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, there's been a lot of negative. Yeah,
1: yeah. I think it's fantastic, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, like, are you open again now at Foot Golf?
12: We are. Uh, we reopened on the first phase because we'd be uh, on the golf courses. Um, so we have strict, like, uh, I guess, say, um, Guidance, uh, guidelines down there where you have to do social distancing especially on a, on a golf course is well. we're very lucky that you know most people keep their footballs 100 metres away from each other anyway so they're
1: and they're how how do you play foot golf do you have a tea time like explain it. if I wanted to play how would I do it
12: yeah, so you book a tea time, uh, it's every 10 minutes, and the groups of four are also family, and uh, you tee off, like, so there's, it's a par 72, there's par 3s, 4s, and 5s, like a golf course. Obviously not the length of a golf course, really, because you, you wouldn't be able to kick it that far. But, uh, you, you start off in a tee box. We've adults' tee boxes and tee box uh, kids' tee boxes. And, uh, you tee off, and then kick it into the green, and then put it, so they're oversized holes on the, on the course. There's 18 holes down there. It's a, good, it's a good
1: hour and 45 minutes. What, when you say you put it into the hole, that's with your foot, right? Y- yes,
12: yeah, yeah. you see, you pass it. Uh, good, you see some very serious people down there. taking <laughs> up take about three minutes to take their putt. <laughs> <laughs> and is it a big football? It's a, yeah, it's a full-size football. Yeah, yeah so we provide the football down there. And we've got the kids football, size fours and size fives for adults and for kids.
1: So instead of a club, you kick a football around the course and kick it into the hole on the green.
12: Yeah, and we've, we've, we've kept the same layout of the old Ring and Ann and can sell 9-hole. And, and
1: then they called, head uh, into the clubhouse then, is it for a few bevs or a bottle of orange yeah, or whatever the case may
12: be? We, yeah, well, we, have, we do pizzas, uh, <laughs> boujons, chips and refreshments. At the moment, uh, as you can understand, the clubhouse is closed, but we hope to open that in the next couple of weeks uh, with the guidelines that we've been given.
1: And, I mean, is it, is it uh, popular with both sexes? Or how many, I don't know how many different sexes we have now, but I think you know what I mean.
12: Neil, about three years ago, a bus of, uh, I suppose, retired folk from Kenmare came down, The I think they're reactively retired from Kenmare came down <laughs> and they played a full round and that was a I realised I think anybody from the age of eight to 80 <laughs> can, can play us.
1: Foot golf. I love it. Like, can I just say my son plays foot golf down there with bunches of mates all of the time, and they love it. Why don't we give away, if you're up for it, uh, some vouchers for, for people to get down and support you now that you're back in business again? Maybe some family passes or something.
12: Yeah, sure. So look there, I can give this five, this five family passes there for you to, to give away to your listeners. And uh, look, while I'm on, I'd just like to say thank you to everybody from Cork for supporting us. Uh, you know, it just can't be underestimated the support, especially local for businesses that have been closed three, three, four months, I think it's, it's vital that we get support locally. And you know what? I have to say the corporate have been fantastic. They've been down in their droves, helping us and, and you know, adhering to the guidelines. Um, and, and I hope for the summer, I think it will happen that I think we'll support our local businesses, but it's, it's vital. You know? right. I'm down in Fota, I'm down in photo now today and have to, it, it's, Delighted to see people coming down and supporting local businesses. So, no, just as a thank
1: you. I think yeah. You know, my you my know, family passes. Fair play to you. Well, to some extent, out people whose businesses are outdoors are much yeah. kind of luckier at this stage, you know. But you, you'd be catering to stags, hens, corporate events, team building events and bunches of people who just want to get together in the outdoors and have a bit of fun. Isn't that what it is?
11: Yes,
12: uh, yeah, that that is our core business. But as, for the summer, real, realistically, it's going to be on bookings and walk-ins. You know, the groups we lost a lot of business school tours. They'll all come around again, Neil. You know, we're 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 not here just for the summer. We're open all year round, Saturdays and Sundays, and then seven days a week from May to September. So look, we're realistic. It, it, it'll be a badge. It, it'll be a bad year but we'll make the best of it and you know I think a lot of our outdoor businesses will have have the the luxury of being able to accommodate for social distancing For
1: sure Well listen good luck with it Ian I'll let you get back to your trip to to Fota Wildlife Park and um, give away those just before midday People can book directly at www.footgolfcork.com right
12: Yes, yeah. Before I go, Neil, could I just wish my daughter a happy fifth birthday, Hannah. She's oh. down here in Fota. photo we're giving her a, a surprise day out. So oh, lovely. Sure. Happy, birthday. happy
1: birthday, Hannah. Well done. Thanks, bye. Ian. Cheers. Thanks take care. Neil, bye. That's bye. Ian O'Driscoll from Foot Golf. Your man sent uh, 200 euro cash inside in the envelope because it was obviously dogging him for a number of years and he was carrying around the guilt. You know, the, the guilt that you have. Oh, my God. Um, It never goes away, never goes away. So we'll give away those, um, how many have I got? I got five family passes. Each family pass will allow four of you to play foot golf down uh, Kinsale Way, just you go over the bridge there, you know, on the left-hand side, the old golf course my dad used to play it for years. He used to go down with them on a Sunday morning. Now that's foot golf as opposed to regular golf. So all that and lots more between now and midday.
0: Text the Neil Brendaville Show now. 86 8104
1: Red FM. Okay, I listen to your show on a regular basis uh, and this weekend just tipped me over the edge. First of all, the antisocial behavior of our great youth, the future of our con- county and country, and I'm sick of parents who've been ringing you for days now saying should they have nothing else to do or they have nowhere to go. Uh, all of these thugs and the ones damaging sports property and vandalizing them every weekend across Cork. We've seen a number of soccer clubs in the north side destroy in recent months last week it was Mayfield GAA Middleton Soccer Club has been vandalized twice in the last 6 months and you have the wonderful pitch and putt course in Middleton for years which had to close down due to teens destroying the clubhouse even burning a shed with a tractor in it these are all things for youths to get involved in and nowhere and and it's somewhere they can go and something they can do but instead they choose not to but choose to destroy them instead so, don't get, so I don't get it when people keep saying they have nothing to do or they had nowhere to go. Look at what they burnt. Uh, at the weekend, the horrible event in Carragher line, I've never seen anything in my lifetime so disturbing in my own county being recorded and shared on social media. I did see a lot of comments saying it was racist and it isn't racist. If it was the other way around, a black youth on the ground being butchered with a knife by a white cork lad and another white cork lad recording it and giving commentary... Then I know very well what the headlines would have been, and I'm sure it would be treated as a racist attack, no matter who else was standing around in the group. But I'm not interested in the cowards, their names or who they are. I'm more interested to know who the victim was and who his girlfriend is, so I can send them my support. They will never be the same again after experiencing a cowardly attack. I really feel for both the young lad and his family, and also his brave girlfriend, who saved his life. It has to stop. I even feel like carrying a knife now with me, not so I can use it or threaten or rob someone, but just to have one in my pocket for my own safety and protection. I would never use it, but it would help in scaring an attacker away or might even make the attacker think twice. I don't like violence. I've never been involved in violence and I never want to be involved in violence, violence. I have a young son and I fear for him when he gets to his teenage years as society in this country. The way it's gone. I wish the young lad and his girlfriend a speedy recovery. Thank you. Uh, Listen, please, don't carry a knife, whatever you do. I mean, restrict your movements when you go out or where you go out or the times you go out. But do not carry a knife because it's not very far to suggest that if you're carrying a knife, you will also suggest when your son gets a little bit older that he or your daughter should also carry a knife. So don't do it. Please don't do it. Um, Okay, a lot of phone calls on that and uh, also issues involving racism and people living in Cork. Here's an interesting one on on, um, safety and feral youths. I'm a bus driver in Cork. Since we went into lockdown and up to now, the streets of Cork have just gone mad. You'd see it as a bus driver. The Grand Parade in South Mall is a no-go area at night. I see people off their heads and the guards just driving past i got to keep the doors of the bus closed just so that nobody can walk in on top of me at night. And that's an example from a bus driver who sees it. To the phone lines we go, um, get as much on as we can between now and midday. Bethan, good morning.
5: Hello, how are you?
1: Um, it, this is, again, because of a huge response to Black Lives Matters. W- would, mm-hmm. would, you, would you believe me if I tell you that an awful lot of people are fed up of Black Lives Matters?
5: I would believe it and then discussed it. Yeah.
1: Why? They just think, My God, it's four thousand miles away. We've got our own problems.
5: Um, well, the George Floyd thing is four thousand miles away, but racism exists in Ireland and to be honest, I didn't put much put much, you know, faith in it, you know, racism being in Ireland. But then I saw one of my close friends post about what she'd been through and she lived in Cork. Um, and she has been denied accommodation face-to-face. She's been told her people are bad people while she was, you know, helping someone into a wheelchair. Um, she's been called the N-word over and over again by people as young as eight. Do um, you know, that's behaviour that shouldn't exist and no one should call anybody names or judge people at all. These are the experiences
1: that she has on a regular basis living in Cork based on her colour, is it?
5: Based on colour, Yeah. 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 Um, I mean, I was disgusted, and I felt really guilty because I thought racism wasn't really a huge issue over here. Um, but then, reading her post, it was on um, Facebook, and seeing the things that she'd gone through, and she's young; she's she's in her mid twenties, you know. Like, it's not as if it was years ago. It was it's happening now. Mm, mm, mm. Yeah.
1: Um, yeah, I know. Um, but on a, on, a, on a lot of different levels, though, uh, were you at the protest? Incidentally. I wasn't no. Okay.
5: Um, I to be honest, like honestly, I thought I didn't think much about it until I saw what she'd been through. Um, and I think actually the protest has allowed um, Black people to say yes, racism exists. She even said in her post she hasn't said anything before until now because she thinks her voice can be heard. Um, and I think that's really it's sad, but also. The protest has allowed her to
1: do that, you know. Yeah, so she was there on the day. Um,
5: I'm not sure. Okay. I'm not sure if she yeah.
1: was there. So like she, I, I remember, there's yeah. a text here reminding us of the days when there were signs in London saying "no blacks, no dogs, and no Irish." Um, yeah, you know that, and, and and of course, the Irish people were, they were talking about were white. So that was like mm. that was white and black uh, anti sentiments yeah. in one city, you know.
5: Yes, yeah, so you'd, you'd think we'd know being white and having suffered racism that it's horrible and they don't deserve it either. Like just because we have suffered racism doesn't mean that, oh, it's okay because we have, they can too, you know? I think we should all, I said in my text, you know, it's kind of very off versus them, but it, it shouldn't be. We should all be in this together going, yeah, you don't deserve to be called names or refused accommodation because of your colour, you know?
1: Do you hear Mike yesterday on the air, and I got a lot of response to that, and I'll read out some of them, where he said that Cork went to the dogs when we started... I'm summing up what he said. He said, Cork went to the dogs uh, when we started to allow people in from other countries.
5: Yeah, that's ridiculous. (laughs) Um, Like, I know, I'm actually from the UK and um, my mom and I got a lot of kind of racist behaviour then and then the Polish came in and they got racist behaviour and then now it seems it's moved on to, you know, um, anyone who's moved in is subject to racist behaviour.
1: Multiculturalism doesn't work in any country, says Anthony, in the world. Why do they think it will work in our tiny island? Multiculturalism hasn't worked in America. That's why they're protesting, he's saying. We're a small pro- country... Uh, problems will be magnified even more here because we are so small
5: Uh, well that uh, it's a load of rubbish like um, I can't even put into words I can't believe people can think like that I mean we wouldn't have half the experiences we have without multiculturalism like I don't know for a small example we wouldn't have Thai food (laughs) <laughs> in we wouldn't. Field, we, you know, all like
1: all that. of that, actually, and, and also, we wouldn't have as many people working because a lot of the people no. who came here came to work because there was work yeah. available that either the yeah. Irish didn't want or were already working in yeah. other jobs. You know what I mean?
5: Yeah, and I vividly remember when I think I don't know who was talking about it. It was when the Polish came in, and everyone was like, "Oh, they're taking all our jobs. They're taking all our jobs." And I was like, What's the jobs that one we want, don't want to do and." You know, to, so what? They're working in Ireland, they're paying their taxes, um, and I've nothing
1: against that. One of the things that I've noticed, one of the things that I have noticed, and I'll let you go after this point, one of the things I've noticed over the years is that people seem to equate the colour of somebody's skin, let's say a black person, as being in Ireland because they came here as a refugee or an asylum seeker and they're getting everything for nothing. Yeah. uh,
5: Well, for a a good example. My friend, she put that post. She's Irish. She was born here. She's lived here all of her life. She's working here. Went to school here. Like it's actually heartbreaking to think that people say that she's not Irish because she's black. I'm considered Irish, and I'm from England. My and
1: and I see I see lads, little boys and girls, black kids going to primary school in Cork in the morning, so going home yeah. at lunchtime. They were born here. They're Irish kids, mm-hmm. right, who, yeah. have a bl- who have a yeah. different colour skin. You, they're going to be called names, aren't they? They're going to be told, go back to your own country when they're going to be very confused because they're going to say I was born here.
5: Well, um, I hope that this protest and like by people like me going, oh, it doesn't exist here, and actually thinking, oh, it does, and having that realisation will help people teach their kids different or not teach their kids what our older generation is a kind of beliefs, are kind yeah, of ingrained beliefs pre- yeah, yeah preconceptions and i say us oh, like i'm not i'm by no means racist um but not but i'm no means racist so like I, my generation i'd hope um would pass on to our children that it's just wrong
1: to judge someone by the
5: color of their skin
1: Thanks for that, Bethany. Bethany, I should say. Thank you for that. Multiculturalism is not the problem. What we need is more police on the beat, much stricter sentencing, zero tolerance of all druggies, drunks and beggars. And that's from a Washington Street resident, somebody who actually lives on Washington Street. Um, It just, you know, we should all live and let live, but we need to get serious on crime and better sentencing and zero tolerance of the things that really matter on Lee side. Druggies, drunks, and beggars. Uh, Mike on the air is scapegoating issues in society through thinly veiled racism. I don't think, I don't think many would say it was thinly veiled. He is glorifying the Irish abroad uh, where we had been great and how society was brilliant in Cork and Ireland when there were only Irish here. Does he mean pre the 1680s? Uh, does Mike know about the Irish gangs in New York in the 1860s who burnt down black neighborhoods because freed slaves were being hired ahead of Irish workers because they were cheaper labour. That's just one example of Irish behaviour in the past. It has nothing to do with nationality. It is to do with people acting abhorrently in the name of nationality. And his rhetoric is just racist. Uh, Lovely to hear uh, and see the multicultural city we live in. You should get rid of all Irish-born racists. Uh, Simple solution. If anyone's not from this country and gets convicted, Neil, they should be deported. Just a selection of texts from yesterday. Margaret, good morning. Good
6: morning, Neil.
1: Okay, um it says I here have, that you, it says here I'm nearly sixty, so I'm just giving it some context. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. And
5: I have um I've met some wonderful kind people. I'm waiting on operations and I met some wonderful kind people helping me. In the last five years.
1: Okay, you're talking about medical professionals, is it?
5: No, no people on the streets. Done stores, gyneys, pennies. I couldn't have asked for better.
1: Okay. And they're
5: well, still doing it. And all I've only one thing to say to you, Neil. One thing to say to the nations: just live and let live.
1: Yeah, that mantra has been around. That mantra has been around for a long, long, yeah. long, long time. Just but,
5: live and let live.
1: But it's not working, is it? It's not working.
5: Well, please God, you know it will someday.
1: Yeah. Yeah, maybe the younger generations coming up will make a better fist of please it. Please
5: God, please right. God, they will need.
1: Thanks for that, Lucas. Good morning. Good morning, Nick. How are okay, you? Okay, Poland. Why are we talking about Poland?
13: Um, no, like, I was just listening to Mike yesterday, and what he said is very dangerous, I think, personally. I'm in Ireland from 2006, it's 14 um, years.
1: I don't have I'm a clip, sorry. of. unfortunately, I don't have a clip to remind people who perhaps didn't here yesterday, but, yeah, but let,
13: let's say any country, Poland or, or Australia, it's like in the future, let's say Mike's child will go to, to any of the countries and, you know, there'll be more Mike's in the other country will be saying, Oh, you know, um, Cork or whatever, the, whatever the city, or oh, this is only for us. We should, you know, it's only, there should only be us here, you know, not other, um, not other um, representatives of other um, countries, like you know, myself. Like how how his child would feel then, you know? How if
1: his kid grew up and went overseas and came to a country yeah, where his was, beliefs were? It, was,
13: it would be better living for him, you know. Let's say how how he would feel then,
1: you know? Well, well if if he sees if he sees the drug culture, if he sees the stabbing culture. The, the gangs that we see, uh, the breakdown yeah. in society, he says it wasn't like that when there were only Cork people in Cork. There was much more sense of community and fun and togetherness, and it was a happier place.
13: I, I don't know how it was back then, but since I came to Ireland, I've met great Irish people. I, they've been helping me. Um, it, was, it was just amazing. to, to Ireland gave me opportunity. And as I said, you know, be good, no difference between good and wrong, live, like the lady said before me, live and let live. Simple as
1: that. Can I just ask you, because you're Polish, just before I let you yes. go, how does the justice system work in Polish, with, in Poland, with people who are underage and commit <laughs> serious crime? You know, gr- the,
13: I was treated that you don't mess with police, right? Um, you wouldn't you wouldn't stare, you wouldn't kind of um, dare to, um, let's say... You know, the youngsters, oh, they disobey this and then doing whatever they want. Like I think there is there's more discipline. I think the youngster has too much time on their hand and they go and off their heads. I oh, think. Okay. But discipline discipline will be the one and have some principles and rules and follow them.
1: Okay, but I what what,
13: what, what, terms, what yeah?
1: how did the police respond in Poland? Like are they armed and things like that?
13: Yes, they are. They have an, every police officer have a cuffs and they are armed with guns. So um, they, you know, they have they have those those um, bats. Let's say.
1: And do they um, use them?
13: Back in the day, more often now, not so much. But you know, you you see you see the armed policeman, You're not going to cross them because okay, you know, if he if he wants to know your ID, you will go. You know, you you will tell him that. I, I think, you know, I would if if and you saw me on the street, ask me, oh, can I see your idea or whatever? I would. I would I would tell him. I would ask him why, but I would tell him who I am
1: okay. and what I'm doing, you know, do, here. Do they do they have conscription in Poland? They have sorry what? Do you have to go into the army for a period of time in Poland? Um back in the days you you used to have now. Not so much okay, not so much it's not it's not yeah. mandatory anymore then not mandatory anymore, no okay, thanks no. for that Cheers, Lucas, have a good day, Kate. Good morning.
4: Hi, Neil. How are you
1: now uh, a white South African woman um living in Ireland for a number of years. Pick up on that story
4: yeah, um as you can tell by my accident, I am here in Ireland quite a long time now, um, but as I said, I was eighteen when I moved over here originally um to a small town outside cork um I was working, I was here a week um, when I got a job, so I was working here in town um, and I was verbally attacked on numerous occasions, um, generally by middle-aged Irishmen who would tell me to F off back to my own country, um, accuse me of being racist because I was a white white South African. Um, Really, really nasty verbal attacks. Yeah, um, yeah and as I said I was 18 you know I, I was still a child um, I was as I was told I was accused of being racist and when I said you know you're calling me racist but yet there are no at the time there were no black people in Ireland um, or Indian or any other nationality really yeah, yeah. this was back in 96 um, I said you know how can you call me racist when there are only Irish people in Ireland you know that's
1: Do you think that those people that were unkind to you or branded you, called you names, was because of the issues of apartheid in South Africa that they were maybe clued into what the regime was like?
4: Possibly, possibly. But I still, you know, it was still unnecessary. Um, I was told to leave Irish jobs alone and my response to that was, well, if more Irish people were prepared to get up and go to work, there wouldn't be work there for foreigners like myself. Um you know my and I had every right to be here, you know my family all, are all Irish, my mom is Irish, she was born and raised here um, so, so I had as much right to be here as anybody yeah. else yeah. Yeah. Um, I had an Irish passport you know you would know, you would, and
1: would you ever try and say that to these people, or did you bother
4: i initially i I would try and explain, but you know when you 're talking to people that are are so set in their ways and are, are so ignorant, for want of a better word. There's actually no point. Um, they don't want to hear it. You know, you're you're a foreigner. You're taking their jobs. Um, you're destroying their country. I was like, I'm one person. I was 18 years old. I wasn't destroying anything. I was just looking for a better life for myself and wanted to come what I classed as home, you know, this... That's this right. Yeah, with your, mother being, so
1: your mother being Irish, yeah.
4: yeah, Exactly, yeah. So I just, you know, this, there is a lot of racism in Ireland. It's not always based on skin color. Um, not so much the younger generation. I found the younger generation when I came over, you know, they were excited to, to meet someone from another country. Um, they had some very far-fetched ideas about South Africa that we lived in mud huts and we had wild animals roaming the streets which was quite strange um, but the younger generation were, were excited to meet people or to meet someone from another country but it was more the older generation I found were, were very just nasty um, I was waitressing at one stage um, there was an Irish couple who used to come in they would have been maybe early 50s yeah. they refused to allow me to serve them
1: uh, How did that happen? You, like what happened on that day?
4: Um, they came in. They were seated at the table. Um, I went over, introduced myself, and asked, "Could I get them something to drink?" And the husband or the the male party asked me where I was from, and I told him. And straight away, he just he said, "I, I want someone else to serve us." And I asked, "Was there a problem? Had I had I done something wrong?" And he actually refused point blank to speak to me any further. Um, so I called my manager over and my manager went over and asked was there a problem and he just insisted that either somebody else served them or they would li- they were going to leave.
1: Did he explain his reasons to the manager?
4: No, no, just that he was basically he just didn't want a foreigner. A foreigner? Um, <laughs> a foreigner, yeah. <laughs> um,
1: to or a white things. South African which is also a foreigner but do you think that he might have had um, views on apartheid or something I'm not, I'm not trying to make excuses for the guy because clearly he was he's thick like but you, you, never, you never found out D- did the manager ask him and his partner to leave or anything like that?
4: Uh, the manager did actually um, he said that he wouldn't tolerate that that sort of treatment of his staff and um, they were asked to leave uh, and I would pa- I mean I'm living in a small town so I would passed the couple Regularly, Um, and I always, you know, I would always say hello to them and acknowledge them, and they would just look right through me or just completely blank me. Uh, So they weren't these weren't isolated incidents. You know, they they happened quite frequently over my first few years here in Ireland. Um, As time passed, you know, the longer I was here, and The more I kind of fitted in, and my accent changed. I picked up more of the Irish lingo because that was a that was a whole new language I had to learn over here.
7: Yeah,
4: Yeah. (laughs) even though Irish speak English, it's you've got your own lingo. Um, I started. It it took a long time, but I did kind of get accepted after a while. I moved to the city then, and I lived in the city for a long time, and that. I think it was easier in the city. People were a little bit more open-minded. But it was always verbal
1: attacks. You were never physically assaulted or or hit or hurt. No. And it was was always men, was it?
4: Majority of the time, yes, men. And there was the odd odd woman that would make a comment as well, but in general it was men and kind of middle-aged men. Um,
1: I don't want to be served by a foreigner. That's incredible, isn't it?
4: Yeah, yeah. And oh, I was refused... I went to a pub one night with some friends from work and they refused to serve me in the pub as well um locally is it yeah they would serve my friends my friends could buy me a drink at the bar, but um they refused
1: at the bar to serve me in the nineties
4: yeah this was ninety six ninth that would have probably been more ninety seven at that but, stage yeah but like
1: did you not go to the garie or you know go to a civil mm-hmm. liberties organization or talk to amnesty or anybody I didn't-
12: I like what did they say a, in the I bar?
1: Would, what did like we we will you can buy for her, but she can't buy like
4: yeah, we don't serve race. We don't serve racists in this bar.
1: Oh, uh, so that we're that back to the, white South Africans and what they did to the blacks. Yeah, yeah,
4: yeah. Um, it, it was horrendous. It really was horrendous, and you know, it was because I coming from South Africa. You know, I went to school with people from. Every skin colour you could imagine, and every nationality, race, religion—you know—that's just the way it was in South Africa when I was in school. You know, it, it was normal. Um, and then to come over here, where everybody is white. Ah, they
1: uh, well, I mean, I—I w- I was in South Africa in, in January. Now I know the tables have turned to some extent. Yeah, but yeah. No, but 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 nothing really, really has changed. I mean, it's still very segregated and very divisive in south africa
4: it is it things i'd say after the apartheid era after uh, mandela was freed and for a very a short period of time things were uh amicable i suppose for one there was no hope word. but
1: all that hope is gone now one of the big problems oh, in africa is. now is an awful lot of their politicians are crooked
4: Oh, it, the, and the corruption. It, yeah, it, it's really, really horrific over there. And the stories, because obviously I still have a lot of friends in South Africa. Um, the stories I've heard during lockdown, you know, were just horrendous. You know, things that they weren't allowed to buy, um, that were, there was large numbers of prisoners. I'm talking dangerous criminals that were released from prison because they were at risk of contracting COVID in mm-hmm. prison. But there were people, say, uh, there was an incident, a young man went for a jog on the beach. Um, on his own, there was no one else around. He wasn't at risk uh, for COVID. And he was arrested. Uh, he was locked up. Um, you weren't allowed, this stupid things, you weren't allowed to buy a cooked chicken. Um, a friend of mine needed to buy underwear for her daughter. Uh, she wasn't allowed to buy underwear. Um, yeah. Just really strange, random things, and people breaking those laws were arrested and, and locked up.
1: Yeah, but like depending yet, on the depending the on the cop that you get, then uh, if you've got money, he let you go.
4: Oh, uh, yeah, or you know, or you get attacked and, and beaten unnecessarily. You know, it's
1: but people have so I little, think, particularly Black South Africans have so little. That's why so many there's they, so much theft.
4: There. That's absolutely true, but it, it's the, a lot of the white South Africans are in exactly the same situation now. You have white shanty towns or squatter camps, or however you want to refer to them.
1: I didn't see any um, of those. I did see. Huge... Yeah,
4: they are they're rife over there now. Unfortunately, the it's not publicised. You know, they don't get the same media attention as the black Shanti towns and the black squatter comes now i'm not saying one is more important than the other or one is worse than the other um because i i'm very much you know everybody's life matters and everybody is equal um but it's not it has changed an awful lot and there's a lot of a lot of poverty affecting people of all races
1: okay okay well let's leave that aspect of the conversation on just just as i wrap up with you on on the on the occasion of you in that pub where they said they wouldn't serve you but they would serve your friends what did did you all leave that pub then or did they have to buy your drink for you
4: uh no my friends bought my drink for me as i said i because i was so young i was very naive and i was so i was afraid you wouldn't tolerate Um, it now Oh, gosh, no, okay. definitely not. Okay. Um, but, yeah, I, I was afraid. I was afraid I was already, you know, standing out as such because I was different from everyone else. Um, everybody knew who I was. There was a foreigner in town. So everybody knew who I was. Um, so I just wanted to blend in. I didn't want to cause any I trouble understand.
1: or I understand. rock okay. the boat. Listen, um, lovely talking to you. Thanks so much for taking the call. Stay in touch. Thanks very much, Neil. Cheers, Kate. Back after the break, 1850 104 106.
13: The Neil Prendival Show on Cork's Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday, 1850 104 106.
1: Okay, lines open, 1850 104 106. We'll be picking up on a lot of this tomorrow. Happy wedding anniversary to Finbar and Mary Keating. Celebrate their wedding anniversary today. And a very special wedding anniversary for the legendary Joe Mack, whose 60th wedding anniversary is today. And some members of the family were in touch They said we'd be so grateful if Neil could give a shout out to Joe and Anne. I hope you're both well. Joe Mack, a great character and a great friend for many, many years. I just love the bones of the guy. 60th wedding anniversary today. Have a great day, Joe and Anne as well. Super people. Um, oh, listen, can I also give a big shout out to a few people? I never got so many paintbrushes in all my life. I managed to get some and decorate on, uh, the North Main Street there last week and they went down a treat. I also got some stain for the, uh, for the gates and the poles and stuff like that. So I was like a lunatic with paintbrushes at the weekend. So thanks to everybody at Decorate. Lovely girls there doing the business. And also I got sent a box of paintbrushes. <laughs> I mean, I could open my own paintbrush shop now. Albany Fusion Home down on the Cork Road. Skibberine said, we heard you on the radio looking for, for brushes. Here's a few compliments of us. Albany Fusion Home in Skib. There's no stopping you now. They're beautiful brushes. I don't want to use them. They're just too damn good. And also, fair play, Kieran Barry got a buddy of his who was up the country to buy me a half a dozen brushes as well. So <laughs> I probably have two dozen brushes now at this stage, which is great. Please, a shout-out to my sister, Eileen O'Riordan Murphy, who's non-stop baking since COVID-19 came along. She makes scones, apple tarts, cheesecakes, distributes them to all of the neighbours. The little girl, Cara, over the hedge, bakes too and brings it up to Eileen so she can return the plate empty. It's so lovely, in spite of the times we live through. I'd love if you sent them nice to give them a break from the kitchen, says Margaret. Also, please, big shout-out to my son, Edwin, member of the Defence Forces. He's been to Dublin collecting PPE from the airplanes. He's a member of the local search and rescue unit, busy delivering food parcels. Fair play to him. Uh, we'll sort him out as well. Please give us a voucher. Uh, our vouchers this week are for uh, Oak Fire Pizza. Sent us loads and loads of vouchers for their locations at Prince's Street in the city, Bridge Street in Bandon, and Ross Street in Clonakilty. And I bought some of their pizzas last night uh, inside... In uh, in Pinterest, Princess Princess, we went and got five of them, and they're lovely. Um, it really they've adapted the inside of the building now, so because you can't sit down in there, so it's just clearly takeout. But they do a super one. Can't remember what it's called. It's a it's a West Cork pizza that has all sorts of beautiful. It's a carnivore's delight. Can't remember the name of it, but a damn good pizza. A lot of West Cork produce on it. I'd love one of your barbecue boxes or your pizza vouchers. My fella burnt the whole barbecue down on Sunday and burnt the burgers and the kebabs. I told him, if I won a barbecue box, I'd let him have another go at it. God bless him. Love the show, says Mary Jane. Uh, we won't, don't give out his name because it would burn his ego as well. Well, I don't have barbecue boxes from Tom Durkins at the moment, but I have some oak fire pizza vouchers, but just don't put it on the, on the barbecue. Uh, the team here at Ravens Court Mental Services and Mental Health Services in St. Fimbars have been working so hard. We'd love one of your vouchers to brighten up our day and give us, give us something nicer than salads pizza. A voucher for my daughter Gemma. She's been looking after me while I've been cocooning, so hopefully I'll get one for her. Thanks so much, love the show, says Maureen. And a shout out for my nephew Dylan O'Reardon and his work colleagues, working hard in JNS Automotives in Little Island, working flat out since the start of lockdown, keeping transport in the country moving. Voucher for my three-year-old Cleo, who's just coming out of a real nasty bout of E. coli. Just as restrictions are lifting, Uh, we're still in quarantine until she gets the all clear. That could be weeks. She's a trooper. She's the best big sister to her four-month-old sister and also... Uh, she took it all in her stride, bless her. And, uh, they both made lockdown more fun, says Claire in Don Manway. We'll give you one for the West Cork branch. And my two cousins, Sophie and Danielle, uh, they've been so good to us through restrictions, even though they didn't fully understand what was going on. Sophie only started junior infants in September, uh, from their favorite cousin, Alex. And two quick ones, a voucher for my children, Ashling and Aaron Mulcahy. Made lots of sacrifices in these weird times. Missed their confirmation and communion, says Catherine. And my daughter Gemma O'Rourke has been looking after me so much. Oh, sorry, that that came in twice. My apologies. That one from Corriblawn in Mayfield. So we'll sort out all of those. For sure we will. Keep the shout-outs coming. Just get in touch by email. Email neil at redfm.ie. Text in your shout-outs. Uh, by texting 0868104106. And if you're not following me on Instagram, perhaps you might think of following me on Instagram. And you can also get your shout outs there on my own Instagram page.
0: Talk to Neil Printerville now. 1851 04106. Red FM. Okay,
1: I've seen the photograph now of the truck that got caught under the bridge in Dublin Hill. That's as much a responsibility of the City Council as it is uh, probably Irish Rail, because that's what it is. It's the rail bridge. And clearly that truck didn't know that it wasn't going to get under that bridge it may not be a cork truck because it just didn't fit so I've seen a photograph of it and there's some serious damage done to the truck, I hope that whoever's in it is okay, let that be a wake up call as the fellow says, so last word this morning, I don't have much time, Judy good morning Good morning Neil, how are okay, you? I've got about two and a half minutes, so you just wanted to say how can people be getting tired of Black Lives Matters? is that what you're saying?
2: Exactly, I just wanted to pick up on um, a point you made earlier, you were saying that people are saying that they're tired of hearing about this. And if we're tired of hearing about it, then how are people feeling who have to live, you know, the reality of dealing with racism and dealing with racist remarks every day in their in their lives? Um, and also that have we forgotten our own past and how Irish people were treated in other countries? Like, would we not have a bit more empathy um, towards people?
1: Yeah, I, I know that. But when we talk about all of the protests, press, protests that have been happening, this was because of a, a man four thousand miles ago, four thousand miles away. I know, brutally murdered at the hands of the police force. But nobody's marching here. Say, for instance, for children with special needs or disabilities, or marching for the elderly who, um uh, you know, people in nursing homes who lost their lives during. You know, like all lives matter. You know.
2: All lives do matter, and I, I don't disagree with that, but at the same time, this is an issue that has been going on with hundreds and hundreds of years, and there is no change. and I understand that people seem to focus on this is one man's life, but it's not like that George Floyd stands for so many people who are murdered every year in America, and not just in America, but in every country. but not over. in Ireland, no
1: there's no there's no Guardy murdering black people in Ireland. There's
2: not, fortunately, but also there's cases of extreme racism you know, there's beatings and there's um, people living with the effect of racism so I just think that if we feel tired listening to it or if people are saying that they're tired listening to it they really need to check how privileged they are and really look at how they aren't experiencing prejudice in their day to day life
1: Good stuff, okay, if you're tired of listening to it uh, imagine how you would feel living with it.
2: Experiencing it, exactly. Okay. Thank
1: you for that, Julie. Lines to stay open. You can text 086 8104 106. We'll pick it up in the morning. Have a good day.
2: Thanks for
11: listening to this Red FM podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and check out redextra.ie
1: for more great Red FM content.